and mentors, someone who I've learned a lot from, who I have a ton of respect for, and has been he has been an educator for over 30 years, and he's won multiple state championships, he's a high school baseball coach, he is a member of the IHSA Baseball Hall of Fame, is that right, yes, IHSA? Sir. 195th. 195th Hall of class. Hall of Fame member. That's awesome. Member, yes. Oh, member. There's only like 200. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And currently, he's a varsity coach for our ultimate alma mater, Blackford Bruin baseball team, Tony Ugin. Thanks for being here, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you you have had an interesting uh, few years. Uh, I would say since probably uh, 2016 through now, it's been a pretty interesting ride. Yeah. Maybe the last few have been... <laughs> Especially since COVID. Yes. Uh, things definitely took a turn for the worse there quickly, but uh, it's definitely challenged me and... And thankfully, I've overcome all that stuff. Yeah. Well, not just that. I mean, you know, you had the, you battled some COVID stuff. Sorry, I'm trying to turn off my, my ringer on my phone. The last thing I want is yeah, any phone either. call. But uh, you've been battling some other stuff. You had a hip replaced, right? That's correct. Yeah, I just had that. Uh, when was that? February 28th, okay. and I'm up around 95 percent now, getting around good. I was at the point where I literally had to crawl to go to the bathroom oh toward my the end. Gosh, man. I, I called it locking up, but basically it was, I could not put weight on one of my legs, my right leg, yeah. and I would stand toward the end, I had to practice, and uh, I tried to do as little as possible, hoping I could get out, because I knew the surgery was coming, and I, I got stuck after I sat down, which was a mistake, and I couldn't move for 45 minutes, and everybody's looking at me, all right, and it's weird when you go to restaurants, you get out of the car, and if I got on my weight, and I could put weight on it, I knew it was okay. But then there were times I got out and I couldn't, and then people were driving by like, are you okay? Because I'm just standing there, and they're probably thinking, what's that guy doing? I said, I'm fine. I just can't put weight on this leg once I do. And then you're thinking, I hope he's not somebody's thinking about doing something because I can't even defend myself at this point. But no, I, I got through that pretty well, and uh, uh, Roy Sandberg, Dr. Sandberg, did my surgery, and it's been really great. And in fact, um, Jack Rupley, the coach of Manchester, he got one a couple months after I did. Really? Uh, except he got he got the front side, I got the back side done. But uh, it was kind of neat that he just ended his career, a long career, and uh, we both got them like a month or two apart. So wow. feeling pretty good right now. So it's encouraging. Can't run yet. Never will probably, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I was wondering about that because I remember a few years ago you were running. You ran a marathon. I ran four. Yeah, and several halves, and and as I kind of listen to you guys talk to Dalton, that's stuff that I wish I could still do, yeah. and so I'm kind of cheering him on because it's interesting to hear what he's doing. It's like, yeah, I remember that, but he's a lot more <laughs> athletic than I ever was. So Man, that guy, that guy is, <laughs> he is, uh, he's determined. He is. I, I mean, he just his competitive spirit uh, is, it's it's admirable at, at to say the least. I mean, he just goes after it. Okay, can't play baseball, football, basketball anymore. All right, what's I'm next? Oh, let's see. I'll, I'll become a weightlifter and you know compete in strength challenges. Oh, oh, well, I just figured out I can run. Uh, oh, let's run a marathon. Yeah, anything in triathlon or something now or something uh, maybe. So I wish uh, that would be really cool because maybe I could go out and bike with him a little bit because I sure can't run. I, I think his dad might have mentioned it. Oh, really? Considering it because I think it was the swimming maybe that might be the issue because I don't think he's a great swimmer. Uh, but he's learned how. I was going to say, what I heard. no doubt. That guy's <laughs> going to figure it out. Yeah. He, uh, 
dang good athlete. He was talking about a hundred miler. He's wanting to compete in a hundred miler at the end of the year here, yeah. and he doesn't have anything scheduled. I think he said after October, uh, or maybe maybe September. Um, September August is his last marathon for the year, so he was thinking about this hundred mile race. Is that one day? I, I think it's a 24 hour. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I don't know if you listen to any David Goggins or not. Uh-uh. Uh, he, he has, David Goggins has his ear. Um, he listens to a lot of David Goggins. I kind of introduced some, some different stuff to him. And I think when he was an eighth grader with, and we talked about, you know, introducing him to Eric Thomas, a motivational speaker. And then mm-hmm. I think through that, He's he just keeps looking for that next person, and Goggins is absolutely a maniac, and uh, has typically a hundred mile race is a team thing, so okay. it'll be a team that oh, competes okay. twenty four hours to run hundred miles. Oh, and there's a story out there about David Goggins running a hundred mile race uh, by himself. That's and, insane. Uh, I, I've done two marathons. I think it was two weeks apart, and surprisingly, felt pretty good the second one. But I told. Told Brian, I said, one day, my goodness, no, my no. body couldn't overcome that that fast. That's all. That's a young man's game. <laughs> How do you even sure. start that? Hundred to go. <laughs> I played wiffle ball the other night, and I thought oh. I was running hard to first base. And Jennifer, Jennifer was watching. She was like, "You weren't running fast. You were like in a, a hurried jog." That's what she called it, a hurry yeah, jog. Well. And I thought I was running. <laughs> I, I thought, man, I, I got there pretty fast. I beat oh, it out a couple times. I had a triple. It's sad the way life <laughs> catches up to you. I did one of those games. A lot of former Bruins got together, take a reunion type thing or whatever it was. And I laid down a bunt and I thought I could barely get to first base. <laughs> I was probably in my 40s then. Like, oh my. Brain says yes, body says no. There's no bunting in alumni <laughs> games, Tony. No way, no oh. how. So not only the hip replacement, before that you're battling with some COVID stuff. Do you want to share anything about that? Yeah, that was interesting because like everybody else at the time, my wife and I was like, oh, you know, the mask and all that. And I was like, don't really want to get it unless you want to and talk about that stuff. And it's kind of like, yeah, this is just another illness of some sort that affects people. You know, we don't know what it is yet, of course. And I had started getting some chills and fever symptoms, flu symptoms. And uh, one day I was sitting on the, in the, it's been late August of 920. Is that when I got it? Yeah. It's already started. So it was a few months into it. And in fact, it was funny because looking back, <laughs> I went to a football game. I, I coughed that afternoon and I told Lisa Musselman, my secretary, I said, I've got COVID. I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks. Jokingly. I remember you telling me yeah, about that. She goes, oh, you better not be. That night, we went to the football scrimmage at Eastern, and I had my dad, Russ Sutton, and um, uh, somebody else, Don Fisher, was with me. They're all in their 70s and 80s. I didn't know. So I'm going around, I'm talking to their AD, Eric Kisner, and we're there. And then when I come back, I noticed that I was kind of had a little cough, and it was getting closer. The time frame yeah. was getting a little bit closer. So I, I decided, yeah, I better check. And it turns out I was positive. Well, then I started having the fevers and the chills and all that stuff, which I generally don't get. Usually, you know, I get sick, I get bad usually, and I get through it. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go and take a shower. I just don't feel right. And I got up, and I got in the shower, and all of a sudden it was like, <clears throat> and I, I said, something is wrong. I said, I can't breathe. So we ran off to Ball Hospital, and uh, they immediately put me in. And uh, went downhill in a hurry. They, I was in ICU probably within a few days. And then I think it was September oh, 
9th or 10th of that year. Um, it got so bad, my oxygen rate was way down. They said it was like 50. And I don't even, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And it basically, I've learned it's below 92, not good. And they said 50 is like, that's brain damage territory, Tony. And uh, I remember getting up and going to the bathroom and, and, and when I still could. And then when things really deteriorated to the point where I was bedridden and I was on the oxygen and, and I was up to about 80%. And they, they said the next step is going to be the ventilator. Uh, and I talked to one AD, and his, his name's Ish, um, he's up for up in Central Noble. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, that's terrible. Um, but anyway, he was telling me he made it through, and most people didn't. You got the ventilator, you're done. So I got scared. I mean, my wife was scared, and, and the, at the time, everything was isolation. So I was isolated 22 of the 24 hours a day. Um, the only thing I had, the, the, the doctor came in, he had like a full astronaut suit on, you know, looking at me and he's pacing back and forth and they're giving me all this stuff and drugs and whatnot. I had so many injections of stuff in my arms that they literally had, they, they called the nurse expert who could, oh, I can find a place. Right. There was nothing left. I was entirely bruised, both arms completely. They didn't put a pick line in? Or? I, well, they had stuff in and out, okay. but I, I don't know. I don't understand all yeah. this stuff, but it was just, they just kept going and going. And it was just, there was nothing left. And, uh, you know, they're waking up constantly because they have to check you every two, three hours. And there's actually a camera up in the room. And, I, and I'm like, what's that camera for? And he goes, oh, when, the, when someone dies, that's how the family watches them. Because at that time, they wouldn't let you. My family couldn't see me. My wife was furious. So luckily, you know, computers and Zoom and all that stuff, I was able to communicate with my family and some friends and stuff like that. Facebook became big. And then I started recording kind of what I was doing. I thought people might be interested in this. And I think the big thing for my wife and I, you know, it, it finally hit us. It's like this isn't something that just a disease of some sort this affects different people in different ways because i was pretty healthy yeah i mean i'm i almost never got sick and uh, all of a sudden i was like you're close to death here buddy um so i got through that long story short they sent me home and i had a bacteria i didn't know it and a week later i, I went back again for another five days so i spent 26 days oh at gosh. ball and um, plenty of stories to tell about that, but we won't for brevity. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I was glad to get that. And I was back to work in a couple months, and that took a while. I mean, when I got back to work, I think November 1st or so was my first, and I shouldn't have went back that early, but I did. I mean, just walking up the bleachers, I had to do something tough. The bleachers took every ounce of energy I could get, and I had to stop and sit because I had uh, pneumonia in all five lows of my lungs. And I, I sure, I still have some scarring from that. Sure. So even with all this stuff in the hip now, I mean, if I wanted to run, I, I'm probably 95% normal. But for most of the stuff I do, I'm okay now. Yeah. But then you got the booster shit stuff going on and, you know, like, are you going to get it again? Now nobody even talks about it. Right. I mean, COVID's still there somewhere, but I can't, I don't sit here and think, oh, what happens if I get it again? I'm assuming I'm immune. But uh, that was kind of quite the jolt. Um, but yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> I, I was talking with somebody. It, it, it may have been Tommy Simpson. We were talking about COVID. And, and uh, sadly, I, I was at Madison. And there was there was a couple. There was there was a few folks in the hallway. Gosh, I may edit this out. I may not. But we'll see how it flows. But uh, there was a few people after we took the masks off. Uh -huh. We thought, ooh, maybe, maybe we should put some masks back on. <laughs> did you catch yourself after it was all done like even months later walking up to school you're like oh i forgot yeah, my, mask. my mask yeah yeah i was actually when we moved here i opened my boxes you know from from moving um and i found a bunch of masks in there, there. and i'm like ah, do i keep them do i pitch them what do i, I, what do, I do you know so i hung on to them i have a feeling the next time nobody's gonna do anything 
hope we don't have to go through that again. Gosh, man. I hope not either. I hope no one has to. What's interesting is um, when my dad passed away, I was given all the pictures and everything from our family and like journals and stuff uh-huh. like that. My grandmother had started journaling and she passed away in uh, 2000, between 2007, 2009. I can't remember the day. And uh-huh. I'm terrible with that stuff. It's uh, well, I'm thankful for my mother-in-law and for my wife. They keep track of dates. Right. My mom always did that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Found the right one, Tony. <laughs> um, but she had journaled about how she had missed her um, like seventh grade year of school. Really? And it was due to Spanish flu. It was like the the the, the comeback of the Spanish flu. Wow. So she would have been that would have probably been in the twenties at some oh, point, wow. you know. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that I was reading about it. Uh, my dad passed away in twenty, and then I was reading that journal from my grandma, wow. um, and she was talking about her seventh grade year. She had she had missed because of uh, because of wow. a flu outbreak. That's awesome. Yeah. You probably learned a lot more about her that you ever uh, knew too. Yeah. Uh, it's been really interesting just looking through um, <clears throat> photographs and finding out some information. I've said this multiple times. This is this is why this podcast has begun, because I've I've just had this. I've always had the urge. I want to know more. You know, my grandpa Fox. Uh, he was a war vet, and I wish I'd ask him right. about his World War II experience. I was Wrong. eighteen when he passed, but. You know, my grandpa Toby, I didn't know him, you know, very well. I just have very few memories of him. But I'm actually, um, my uncle Fred and Aunt Susie are going to come up uh, in the next couple weeks. We're going to get together, and they're just going to tell me about um, growing up in Hartford uh-huh. City and in the '50s and '60s. And um, I'm hoping to learn a little bit about my grandpa, my grandma. My, my grandmother ran in some dementia issues toward the end of her life when she was in the home down there, where the hospital used to be, and I asked her one time i said so what was life like growing up or how do you meet grandpa or we were talking about mm-hmm. the family tree and stuff and for one hour it all snapped back and she went she met my grandpa was with a traveling circus of some weird thing and there was siamese twins attached and they were in the philippines or something weird and it was from minnesota it was just weird there was actually an ugin street i think in alaska but i don't know how that all plays into this but they, he drove through town and saw her walking down the street and kind of said something to her. Thought she was a nice-looking lady. Yeah. First time she met her. The second time, he left, came back. They went on a date the second time. This was like a month or two later. The third time, they got married. Third time ever met. Wow. And you're like, well, and you just think about this, the way life plays out. And then, and you read that, and she went back and shared all this stuff. And it, it's just amazing. I, in fact, it, it was interesting because you brought that up, history. I had a kid, a student of mine in Northfield, just messaged me out of the blue the other day and said, you know, you, you always made me think about history. So I went back and looked up my family tree, and long story short again, his great, great, or great aunt was married to the guy who wrote The Wizard of Oz. I don't even know who that is. And then he said, Lake, and his last name was Gage. Lake Gage up by Lake James, that's named after one of my relatives. And I did all that because the, what you shared, and I thought, that's pretty cool. I that's had an cool. effect on somebody. And I did a project back when I was in junior high, and I admit that I failed miserably as a teacher. I said, go 
one of the part of the project was talk to an, uh, an older relative and ask them what life was like when they were young and they all did it on cassette yeah. tape and they turn them all in there was no way i could listen to all those yeah, yeah you know yeah. it was night because they did i gave them credit i listened to one or two and one of them's like yeah the japanese were bleep, 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 you know and it went on but it was really fast real. I thought, yeah. and i threw those away like 10 oh. years ago and i thought what a huge mistake that was that would have been incredible. I always thought what would be neat is to send a letter to Main Street, just any somewhere, and say, if you would answer these questions, send them back, and then write a book based on what great. they respond. Yeah. Main Street USA, name of the book. Yeah. But I don't know. But that, that's to me, that's fascinating. I want to know what my relatives went through, what was life like then. And someday they'll ask us, yeah. probably. But that's where the journalism goes. And we're lucky now, like on Facebook, with my oh. incident. I, my stuff's all there. You, you can't get too personal. Right. I think, I think some people put way too much of their life on there, but it's just amazing yeah. the things that we miss because we just don't have. You're just thinking about that student, you know, reaching out to you. Yeah. It was Mr. Sutton that influenced me. Oh, and, yeah. You know, when, when Coach Sutton had us uh, thinking about generationally how far separated we were from certain events in history, and I remember that as an eighth grader, you know, how old, you know, how old, think about how old your grandpa is and then your great grandpa, oh, yeah. how far away from, you know, the Civil War and even the Revolutionary War is your family, you know? Exactly. It's, it's not that far. Exactly. You know, Franklin Pierce's grandsons are still alive. That's he a, was president before Abraham Lincoln, Scott. His grandsons? 1840s. His grandson is still alive. <laughs> he was 70 something when he had a, one of the kids and then he had one at 70. I, I think they're still alive. So there were two of them. This was 1840, and they were still That's alive. <laughs> so he had them in the 1880s and 1950, and then 2020, and they're still alive. You met my grandpa was president. Oh, really? Yeah, Franklin Pierce. What is that even possible? Who's Franklin Pierce? First of all, most people. What what bill is he on? Is he? You mean uh, Benjamin yeah, Franklin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw a TikTok the other day. Name for a dollar. Name every president you can name. Uh, Trump. Uh, oh. Biden. Ben Franklin. Yeah. That's yeah. Benjamin yeah. Franklin. Or ben Franklin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's the kite guy. <laughs> oh, that's really, and, and, you know, that is, that's what it started. I was thinking the same thing. How did my parents meet? And my dad was from Eaton. He didn't have anything. I mean, this guy, my dad grew up in a, um, almost a tenement wow. type situation. And I know it's Was Eaton. he from the Eaton area yeah. originally? Yeah. So, and his dad passed away and, and. When he was in like his twenties, so his my grandpa Schick, uh, and that's been another thing that sparked this because the stories I was told about my grandpa Schick don't align with the photographic evidence that I found. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Really? So the stories I've heard about how my grandma met my grandpa, like my grandpa Fox, so her second husband, um, who was my grandpa. Oh, okay. I didn't. I never met my grandpa Schick. He oh, was okay. gone long. He died in his forties. Okay. Uh, gone long before I ever was even imagined, and um, not that you could ever really imagine me, but uh, <laughs> somebody did. But I saw the. Well, they always told me I was a mistake. I was eight years younger than my closest brother. And they're like, "Well, I saved the marriage. You're welcome. Yeah, look at that. I was a hero for the first time in my life being born. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. But uh, you know, so but I found pictures. So I was told that. My grandpa Fox came into the picture long after uh, my grandma and grandpa were separated and divorced, and after my grandpa Schick died. Okay. And, but then I find pictures of them together. Really? Like buddies, like wow. two guys hanging out. You know, think about pictures in the wow. nineteen probably fifties. 
of what two guys hanging out, or even the 1940s, two guys hanging out look like. Wow. Right? And they're standing together hanging out in the backyard. Two young men hanging out and multiple pictures of them oh, together. Sure. So it wasn't like just one. Wow. So it made me question everything about it. And unfortunately, at that at that point, I only had one great aunt remaining on my dad's side. Okay. That would have known anything about it. Um, and she had dementia. She, and right. So when asked, when I asked her about my grandpa Fox and how my grandma and grandpa met, uh, I have no idea. Oh, I have no idea. Wow. And I, there's a part of me that's like, well, did she really have no idea? Or was this just the way, you know, that generation protected right. the story? Right. You know, we don't protect the story. Right. Oh, heck no. Yeah, the story's out there. And I don't know if we really can. Especially my kids' generation, your kids' generation, right. they'll never be able to protect the story. Oh, God help them. There's no way. You just can't. There's just too much. There's too much exposure. We're exposed to so much. But anyway, so that's what kind of started this. Was thinking, I want to make sure my story doesn't get confused. And you know, when you came in, right. you were asking me about my new job, and it's already right. evidently been confused because <laughs> what you yeah, were told does not align with with how uh, everything went down. And which is why I asked. Yeah, well, and that's part of this, too. It's like everybody has this story. I don't like telling other people's stories, number one, which is why I want to bring my aunt and uncle on so that I can find out from someone who was there, who witnessed it. My dad's not here to ask anymore, you know, and I I heard about how they met, and I want to know. My my dad grew up in a a place where it was an apartment above a, a, um, um, a, a store, like a, you know, mm-hmm. five and nine or whatever, and Eaton, and they, sh- it was a, this apartment, it was like two rooms. You had your kitchen, living room, and like one bedroom. Wow. And then down the hall, everyone shared the bathroom uh. that lived on the floor. Right. That was a sink and a toilet. Wow. So. Dorm life. <laughs> worse than door wipe. Yeah, I'm sure. There wasn't even a shower. Wow. So they, you know, oh the whole don't toss the baby out with the, you know, right. the water. You know, that kind of comes into play. They had the, their shower was in their kitchen. Jeez. You know, they bring water, you know. But at least they had hot water, right? They didn't right. have to heat it up. I think all the things we complain about today. Oh, oh life's so horrible. It's like, yeah. you don't even know. Oh. <laughs> Could we have survived the 1800s? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've asked, uh, I had Steve Hurd on a while back and uh, never got published. Because Steve Hurd and I, the whole the whole idea was we were going to talk about could we have survived the 1800s. So I'm saving oh, that really? story for okay. him. Okay. And we talked for two hours, Tony, and never got to the 1800s. <laughs> like we touched on it for 30 seconds, uh, and if we get done. I'm like, dude, I got it. I got to end it. You know. <laughs> and then I go to edit some stuff out, and I'm like, there's some good stuff here. Just we just hanging out. Just two right. guys hanging out. Yeah, Nobody exactly. wants less than two guys just hanging out. Uh, you'd be surprised. I, well, I think so because I listen <laughs> to other podcasts. You're right. You're 100. percent I wonder if ever people think like I do. <laughs> That's the thing. Or we're, oh, what's he thinking about? I've thought the same thing. In fact, I was driving home from birthday party yesterday. My nephew, um, great nephew, uh, Matt Knuckles. Okay. So it's his sister Michelle and her husband. They had a baby, and Tucker's two years old. And okay. I'm driving back from that uh, from that baby. That baby's. Uh, he's not a baby. He's a toddler. He's two years old. But I'm leaving there, and I'm thinking. Does anybody actually listen to my podcast? And I can see numbers that they do. Right. But then I thought, I wonder if just some insight makes me more or less approachable. 
Right. You know? Right. Like, listening to me ramble on right. makes me more or less approachable. I, I would think for the people that have similar thought processes as me, maybe it makes them more approachable. For those that are like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, you exactly. Know? They're like, oh, I don't think I want to talk to him anymore. <laughs> well, Maybe I'll end up in this about that They never thought about It's like, well, it's possible. There's so yeah. much out there. Wow. So that's kind of the whole purpose here is, you know, just, I just like getting the story. I want to tell my story. Right. That's part of it, too. Right. I want to make sure I tell my story. And I can't hear my grandpa Schick's voice. Right. I'll never hear my yeah. grandpa Schick's voice. You know, at some point... I won't. Re- I, I would like to think because there's there's times when I hear somebody say, "Hey, get over here," and I'm like, "Oh, is that my dad?" You know? Right, 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 right. I, I want to think <clears throat> that my voice is going to be able to be shared with my grandkids if I'm not around. Who right. knows what's going to happen? I'm, I've been through some some life life events where I wonder, man, how fragile we really are. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I guess I realize I'm immortal, not invincible. Mm-hmm. And this is another way to be a little bit immortal, right? My, right. Kid, my kids don't listen. They don't listen. <laughs> they to my will podcast. though eventually. Maybe. Yeah. Addison told me uh, we were in Savannah last week, and Addison told me she said, "I don't listen to your podcast because I feel like I'm getting a lecture." Yeah. I said, well, yeah, yeah. kind of is. I mean, that's. The, I, I talk to my kids kind of the same way I talk to myself. I guess. Right. <laughs> that's just part of being a dad. Right. So hey, anyway, <laughs> coaching. You've yep. been coach. You were my coach. You were my my eighth grade football coach. What year are we talking? Where are we so at? I graduated in ninety two. So eighty eight. Eighty yeah, well it'd have been eighty seven. Fall of eighty seven. Okay, football. Eighty eight and then yeah. eighty eight, eighty nine would have been my, Who's with you? Who else was in your class? Uh Jason Jones. Okay, um, that was a fun group. Oh, we were winning a lot of games. With, we uh, didn't Romine lose mine in that? Romine. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we were at Elwood. Um <laughs> we were beat. There yeah. was what two seconds to go. Yep. On then, and they're kicking off to us. Yep. And I think Romine got it and took a knee, which I couldn't believe. So we had one second left, and I told Russ, Coach Sutton, I said, "Run the fake reverse, and we'll all scream reverse." And Romine ran it down the sideline. Oh, that that's one of the most exciting. Romine didn't run it down. Right, the who sideline. was it? Jason Lytle. Really? We gave the ball to Jason Lytle, and I remember uh, this because. I re- I'm getting chills thinking about it. It's one of those moments. We fake it to Romine. We fake it to Romine. That's why. And when he comes out, everybody keyed on him because right. they knew he was our guy. Exactly. Right? I mean, we had some guys. Yeah. Light old Jason Jones <laughs> and Romine. I mean, it's man, we had some guys in there, and I know I'm forgetting someone. They're going, what about me, Shick? Well, I'm sorry. 50 years. Yeah, it's, only, it's been 40 at least. 35-ish. Yeah. And, but I remember Andrew talking about he comes out of that, and they're all keying on him, and he pops up. And goes surprise, like I don't have it, you know. And Jason, the whole team went with him. Jason, there was nobody, book it. Uh, just trucking nobody down. was in close. Right, I remember. Yeah, that there was, weren't. That's one of the greatest moments. I think it's just a junior high game, right? But I, and I played on because that was you guys were the second team to be yep. undefeated. I was on the first. Team. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Ed Holcroft, Knuckles, yeah. Jim, and all those guys. Yeah. We didn't lose. I didn't know Jim was on that team too. Oh yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, my Hutton Fingers best play Jim ever made is he. I, I I can't remember where he took a punt off the punter's foot and ran it for a touchdown. Oh my God. There's a picture in the newspaper. He's got it right off his foot. He was a heck of a player, and yeah. I roomed with him a year at Taylor because he was playing football at Taylor. Yeah, yeah. So we had a kid on our team named Jerome Calvert, and Jerome was like a six foot lanky. He had moved from like Alabama or somewhere for a year. 
lanky kid. Um, <clears throat> somehow he was he was uh, cousins or something with with a friend of mine, uh, Phil Tungate, and like he was all, just a superior athlete. Uh-huh. Like he just fit in. But I remember he was our punter. I think he was our kickoff guy. Was high school or junior? No, high? this was in junior high. He was high. on that team. Yeah, I don't remember him at yeah, all. He was here. I think he was here just that one year, wow. and then he was gone. But uh, mm. I, I remember the number of punts he blocked that year was just <laughs> tremendous. I, he was just so long. Yeah, if you're that big in junior high, yeah, he's like six foot one or something, wow. and just lanky. Wow. Uh, he had probably a seven foot wingspan. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. That was a that was a fun group, and, and I don't. I've, I've shared this with a few people, but the the number of times that me and um, Kevin Sutton or the other lineman would go up to the line and go, hey, what are we running? <laughs> you guys would have had a heart attack I'm if sure. you knew how many times we would look at each other and go, it's coming. I think it's coming your way. I got I got this guy. You got the end. Yeah. You know, we, pull, right. we weren't pulling or anything. We're just right, running, I think, right. a straight wishbone most of the time. Wow. And maybe we get in an eye formation. But we had no idea what was going on wow. at the time. And we were still blowing people out. Oh, yeah. You know? So my favorite memory. You brought this up. So I got to okay. tell you about yeah. my favorite sports memory. And it's crazy that it's from, you know, eighth grade football. But maybe that's why I was a junior high educator is because I had so many fun memories from there. But. But uh, we're at Marion, I think it was Marion McCullough, and we're killing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just throttling them. It was probably 40 to nothing in the third quarter. And I hear on the sideline, so we were we had combined with Marion, that, or not with Marion, with Montpelier that year. Did we practice in Montpelier the whole year? We practiced in Montpelier. All but one day, maybe. Yeah. yeah and so we had, a, teaching. we had a black and a red offense. Do you remember this? I vaguely. So, and then there were some guys that just hadn't grown yet, right? right? So right. junior high is tough. And <laughs> some of us had hit growth spurts when we were 10, and we looked like grown men. Um, then there's some of the guys like me that were in between. I was a 140-pound eighth grader. Oh, my. And I've, dude, I had eighth graders this year that were 250, like my size. <laughs> I had eighth graders down in Madison that wow. made me look like a, a just nothing. But but anyway, and I was a big guy back right, then. Right, uh, So... But then there's the guys that just hadn't grown. And I remember you telling stories about you didn't grow until like, like 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on the sidelines or out on the field and we hear, Platt offense, get in there. And we all just kind of look and we look over and Coach Ugin is, Platt offense, and your big booming voice. And here come these guys trucking on the field. Their helmets are like halfway <laughs> on and off and their shoulder pads are chucking around and oh. they're just flying. <laughs> but when they got a first down, they got a first down wow. against Marion's number one defense. Number one, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Their only defense. Right. <laughs> and I remember we all went nuts. Like, <laughs> it was like the Super Bowl uh, for all of us. You see those guys, because they put in the time, man. They, they were tackled. Uh, the number of times they probably were like, I'm done. Right. But stuck it out. And to finally get on the field, you know, and uh, that, was, that was one of my favorite memories. And I know, like, uh, names of... Probably half of those guys, maybe all, maybe all of them at this point. I, I remember. Of their yeah, families. Yeah. Right. Not Protect the lives of the innocent. <laughs> They're probably superheroes by now. You know how it is when you get older. Oh, we were so good back then. They are like when I see them now. They're like our size. Uh, you know, everybody grows. Right. You go through that spot. That was one of my favorite memories. You guys, you guys made it a lot of fun, and and you and um, um, Mr. Overholzer. 
Um, Ed Holcroft, I think. Holcroft was too. helping that year. God, man, we had so much fun. You guys just brought some energy that we needed. Uh, <laughs> we had a really good – we had a group, good group. And, yeah. you know, as we went on to our freshman year, you know, we only lost one game our freshman year. And if I remember right, we had to end up playing against um, Huntington North's JV, and that's who beat us. Oh, really? And I remember their running back stepping on me on his way through the hole. I was playing like – I might have been playing nose man at that point or something. And I, I slid over. We called some kind of stunt. And I slid over, filled a gap. And that guy literally cleated me from my legs to my helmet. Uh, he just ran me over. And we lost that game. I swear it was their JV. It had to have been. Uh-huh. We were just – our JV team had kind of went defunct because of, of I'm sure, uh. grades. <laughs> And most of us were, were all, you know, we all felt accountable in that way. But uh, then I didn't play. I didn't play after my freshman year. Yeah. And I remember a couple times, and, and I've shared this with my eighth grade class when I was teaching, that I missed out on memories with guys that I'd played football with from the time I was 10 years old when Pee Wee started. Wow. And I missed out on all those memories of two-a-days and the sweat and the puking and, you know, the r- bus rides and everything. And, and I, I always shared that because I wanted to make sure somebody else didn't do what I did mm-hmm. and missed out on that. Wow. My interest changed, sure. Um, but I sure could have provided something. I, I recall um, it was actually I remember Brian Roush coming to me and asking me if I was going to come out and play. Huh. Um, and, and I said no. And... I don't know what it would have took to get me say to say yes. I remember being disappointed you didn't play. I don't remember a lot about it, but I I remember that when you said that you didn't play. I'm like, well, why is he not playing? Yeah, and I wish I had, and and I always Life shared happens. that. You know, yeah. I wish I'd have participated in something because it, it changed maybe, well, maybe who I am. Right. You know, I mean, it ultimately made me who I am, right. uh, and and enabled me to share that with the students. Right. Boy, if I had a regret, uh, it would be that I didn't continue playing football after my freshman year wow. and I was afraid I wasn't going to be on the varsity team. Wow. I, I, I didn't. I was kind of the opposite. I was always a small guy and I handed off. I was yeah. a quarterback and over all those years we lost count nine. And I didn't play much my junior year because Jack Norton was all state defensive back. Yeah. So let's make him a senior year quarterback. That was logical. Right. So, and he was a better athlete than I was, but still all the 10 games we lost from fourth grade on the Raiders. We only lost one for um, Dalton's, Troyer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all all those years and my first year as a head football coach in Northfield, 0 and 10. Wow. And I, I it's like I can't that was quite the tough for me because we were used to just beating people. That's right. just what you did. And that's why it's so hard the last few years, you know, several years at Blackford. But we're not twelve hundred thousand kids anymore either. But I, I, I'm glad I stuck it out. Because I wasn't that great of a football player, I really didn't like football that much. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a contact. I never played defense, except <laughs> here I'm going to toot my horn. <laughs> my freshman year, we played Noblesville. We had Noblesville, who we beat in the state. Yep. So I think we must have knew that. We added them, played them late in the year, and I was playing safety for some unknown reason. And the guy was running up the middle, and I gra- we were losing, I think, and I grabbed him, and I just jumped off the side, and I slammed him on his head. And I'm pretty sure that hitting the ground caused a fumble, but it was a fumble. And we ended up beating him, like oh 19 gosh. to 14 or something, which is really neat, too, because the stuff we remember, or I remember back the games, like, how do you remember that stuff? Some games I have no recollection. Oh. Other games I can tell you the semi-state disaster. 
Um, I but, can remember things that Mike Jones was talking to me about when I was in Pee Wee football. Really? Oh man, like it was yesterday. I I can remember one of my first Pee Wee football practices. It's weird because I don't have I don't remember a, much about. Pee-wee. I don't have like memories from when I was really young. I, I don't just don't. Yeah, Maybe two or three. Either. But I can remember uh, one of my first Pee Wee football practices. I was on a team uh, with. Mike Jones was our coach, and he's my cousin, and me and Jason are second cousins, so it was logical, right? It just made sense I was going to be on their team. Um, One of our first practices, he had like a chalkboard out, and he he puts out what the the offense was going to look like, and as he goes down the line, and I'm so sorry, George, but I I think you and I have had this conversation before, um, so I apologize if you're listening or people that know George Chrisman. But as he drew the circles, he got to George Chrisman, and he drew a big circle for George. <laughs> and I think he may have called him Blimp. Wow. Well, what's interesting is once George left the team, I took George's spot, and I became Blimp. And I got to tell a funny story about okay. this. This guys, this is uh, this is why. That's why I do a podcast, because this stuff comes out of my mouth. There you go. I'm just afraid sometimes what's actually going to come out. This is a good one. So he called me Blimp, and which, you know, as a kid, I was. I was a big, heavy kid, but I don't know that I was a Blimp. But <laughs> I was I was a kid in, in Pee Wee. I was a nose man, and when they hiked the ball, I just reached around and grabbed the quarterback, and I tackled both. I, I can recall doing that. You had to be fairly quick. Uh, I was I was a big guy. I was stronger right. than most kids. I right. had a growth spurt early, uh, so you know I had the black tape. Man, I looked like I had a Michigan Wolverines on my helmet. Uh. I was all that. But anyway, so uh, this goes back to blimp. So when my mom was in the ha- in the hospital, she was dying. She'd had multiple strokes, and the whole family's there. And you know my aunts, uncles, and mm-hmm. and uh, Mike and and um, some other cousins, and we're sitting in a waiting room. As all this is happening, and my mom was in the hospital for a month, suffering through um, what she had gone through, and we're, we're sitting in a waiting room, and I look over at Mike, and I said, "Hey, Mike, I just want to let you know that um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this on my stupid. I may edit it, but I probably won't. But I look over at him and I said, "Hey, uh, I want to let you know I've apo- I'm I've forgiven you." For, for calling me blimp when I was 10 years old and, you know, till I was 12. Um, that really affected me my whole life. And my brother, Bill, is sitting across the room wow. looking at me like, oh, my God. Like, Bill can't believe that right, I'm saying right. it in this moment. Right. right. And it was a tense moment. But sure. I, listen, I, I was that guy that I just want to make my mom laugh. That's all I ever wanted. Like, that was that was right. my goal in life was to make my mom happy. <laughs> And she's probably in heaven right now going, oh, my God, I can't believe you're telling the story. I didn't know it. But uh, so Mike looks at me and goes, uh, I'm sorry. You know, like he was just dumbfounded that I'm I'm bringing this up. He probably didn't even remember it. And and then I said, I'm just kidding you, man. I said, but I do remember you called me blimp. And I thought it was hilarious when you did it to George. So I had to laugh when you did it to me. George Chrisman. I said, yeah, he goes, I called him blimp too. (laughs) (laughs) It's like my favorite, one of my favorite Uh, stories about Pee Wee is being called blimp. And, uh, yeah, I haven't shared that with a whole lot of people. So it's out there now. Hey Mike. There you go. (laughs) I do have a lot of memories of that time. And, 
uh, going to camp. And uh, I remember, oh, so, <laughs> gosh, this is not what I had written down. No, like, but it's you your can show. see you my notes. <laughs> my notes. We can always come back and so. I'm at I'm at Ball State football camp, and I remember I was on a 40 yard. What? How old are you? Uh, going into my freshman year. Okay. So what? 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going into my freshman year, and I go to Ball State. My dad, my dad was very supportive of me. I was so fortunate. My dad was not an athlete. He he was small guy. He was 140 pounds, I think, when he got maybe soaking wet when he right. got. I don't even think he weighed that when he got out of the Navy at 23, 24. Wow. Um, he wasn't a big guy. Right. Um, my brothers weren't like big guys. They were athletic though. I always felt like Joe and Bill right, were both athletic. Right. Um, so <laughs> I'm on this 40 yard line, on this on the uh, you know on the starting line for this 40 yard dash at a football camp, and here I am, freshman, uh, going to be a freshman. I'm a lineman. I'm I'm not a runner. I don't run. Like. <laughs> Thank God there's not bears chasing people all over. Right, there'd be some right. death and carnage of me shoving people down. <laughs> but uh, this guy next to me is a Ball State recruit. Oh, my. Running back. And I remember we're lined up next to each other, and he takes off. And when he took off, it scared me. Wow. Just the release right. of him just going right. like right. full out. He knows they're watching. He knows that time matters. Right, right. I'm a freshman. I'm like, number one, I got scared by the guy who just took <laughs> off next to me. Right. So you know I didn't take off faster than he did. <laughs> and then I'm scared, so that hesitates again. And I might have ran, I don't know, probably probably an 8.15 or something. <laughs> like right, terrible. right. But those are the things I remember. Yeah. And uh, I, I ran across a picture the other day. Uh I think about it, I'll show you before we leave. But I went to a Gonzo Haynes football camp. Does that ring a no, bell with you at all? Gonzo Haynes. Yeah, so I had a I went to a Gonzo yeah. Haynes and it was a football camp. You can see the football player on there. Huh. I looked it up online. I can't find anything Gonzo Haynes. Um, but I, I I don't really remember that football camp, but I remember uh, the event of when the picture was taken because I was on a boat with my brother and this was back before we had social media, right? Okay. So my brother, uh, Joe, lived up on Little Barbie, up on oh, a channel. Yeah. And uh, we'd go out on the boat, on his father-in-law's boat. And while we're out on the boat, he said, hey, I want to take a picture for Mom. Hold my beer. Uh, I've got an old Miller Lite uh, can in my hand. And you as an AD, right, me as right, a you right, know, AD, right. I'm like, oh, God. If I, thank God there right, wasn't social media. Right. So he hands me his old Milwaukee. And this, so this is far enough back that it was a pull tab. Oh, Not the, you know, right. it was a pull tab can. <laughs> and he goes, oh, wait, hold my cigarette while you're at it. And I'm holding a beer and a cigarette. And I'm like 12 years old or something. And I'm like, uh. uh <laughs> As an AD, if right. we saw that picture, it's over for that kid. Now. Yeah. You know, and we were just having fun. He was just having fun, picking on me. And heck, that picture wouldn't even show up to my mom until months later when he had it developed. You know, it wasn't like he could text it to right. her. But he took that picture to, to share with my mom to show her what we were doing up on the boat that day. Wow. But uh, I was just for talking, I was thinking about that camp. Gonzo Haynes was the shirt I was wearing in that picture. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Never heard it. I remember it, but I don't, you know. Anyway, going back to my football real quick because I can finish that little thing. I, I, I didn't really love football, 
but I'm glad I stuck it out and played. I enjoyed it. And when I got a senior and I was the quarterback for most of the season, except for I, I actually got thrown out of bounds in Muncie North, and I there was some plywood covering the track, and I, it, I cut, kicked the corner, and I could look in my leg oh, like gosh. an inch down. It was weird. They thought I'd get infected, so I sat out. This is the top times to change. So the next week I'm sitting out, and Doug Gardner's the quarterback, sophomore, and at halftime, he was you know, he's a sophomore. He's yeah. kind of struggling. And all of a sudden, I was miraculously cured and played second half. And you're like, get in. Are you right. okay? I'm like, I can walk. Or I got a tape. It's not going to be an infection. That's just the way it was. But I'm, I think it toughened me up a little bit. I've never been a guy who'd run through walls type stuff. Right. I enjoyed being with my friends. That goes back what you missed. Yep. Being with yeah. those guys, and I'm kind of I'm glad I did it in the long run because obviously the the early years state championship freshman year I wasn't anything yeah. part of that. We were we won 22 in a row through the sophomore year and got beat by Alec. I remember that. In fact, the guy lived on my floor, Taylor. He was on Alexandria's team. Oh wow, so that was kind of a small tie, and yeah. and so I'm glad I stuck it out. It was more baseball and basketball is too small, but anyway, yeah, you're right. A lot of things pop. My wife yeah. was like, well, "How do you remember that?" Uh, it, as, just as you were talking about that, I thought about you know that Ball State football camp again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm there and I'm wearing my Blackford stuff, and uh, some guy comes up and he's like, Blackford, Blackford High School, Blackford High School, where's that at? It's just up the road, you know, half hour. Right. It's always our right, right, right. response, just half hour from Columbia. <clears throat> and he goes, Ah, Blackford, just rings a bell, and I, I can't place it. It's well, won a state championship or two, you know, back in. Late seventies and 80, right? Seventy four and seventy nine. Seventy nine. So um, he goes, ah, ah, let me let me figure it out. Next day, show up at camp. Guy hunts me down, and he's just a helper at the camp. Right. And he said, figured it out. Blackford Drive In. You guys have the drive in at Blackford. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're known for. Yeah. We're, we're known for the triple X drive in. That was my neighbor. It was a quarter mile from right. it. I, we had big patio doors in the back and a balcony in the back of our house. And when it was open, uh, oh my gosh, that's uh, so I couldn't awesome. hear them as a kid. But yeah, oh. It's like oh, and everybody's hey, your dad's shut the door. Yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that part. Yeah, of that's near there. Oh gosh, nobody yeah. knows who it is now. They don't even know. Not have a clue. clue. What? Yeah. So we're that whatever yeah. that place, thirty-eight yeah, yeah. auto, auto, yeah. yeah. But boy, hard to believe that was Harp City, Indiana. So we we talked a little bit about um, the AD piece and mentioned that in there. You know, just seeing photographs and and I've had to suspend kids for a picture posted on social media. I'm sure my first week at Blackford, I think, or first month at Blackford, huge party. And several big-time athletes were supposedly involved, and I spent so much time investigating, but I was a hated man early oh, yeah. in that because we I think I suspended six. <laughs> and I did interviews. I mean, everybody I could. The neat thing about that story was at the end of the year when they all graduated, and I'm not going to name names. Or I've never right. I'd like to tell, but I don't want to bring names up. But um, I can't think of the guy, the assistant principal at the time, bald head guy. Yep, I know you're talking about. But anyway, he, we get done, and he goes, I always wondered whether that, whether we nailed them or not. And one of the six that came out of graduation, he goes, Hey, so and so, you're graduating now. Were you guys partying? He goes, He winks, uh-huh. and he walked out the door, and he goes, We got him. We're like, Yeah, high five. <laughs> and so that, and that's tough because there were it parents who were friends and. Right. I don't, I don't, I've always said, I don't, I'm not splittering the bushes trying to find, which is tough. And one of the things I kind of wanted to bring up, you know, the, the hard thing is 
parents want discipline. They right. want discipline in school. They want you to be disciplined until it's their kid. Right. And now you're a problem. Right. You're, you're just, you're just, I'm so, all I'm trying to do is do my job. I always told him, I said, now, we had an assistant principal, he's a baseball coach for me at Norfield, I took over for, and, and he was a great guy, Christian guy, disciplined guy, and he just gets so intense. And I don't, hopefully you didn't do this as an assistant principal. He just makes like, like, just calm down. Yeah. It's life's too short. Um, but I, but kids would go, I just can't stand that guy. I said, listen to me. If you didn't do anything wrong, this is what his day would consist of. And I put my feet up on my desk right. and I hunched back and I said, this is what he would be doing. He'd have the loosest hamstrings He's doing in the building. It because you can't follow directions and do, this is all on you. And I never even thought about it that way. He was a great guy. Most of them have liked him. And which goes to the next thing I, I thought, the, the, the big thing about coaches that coach for me and hopefully they got for me. And don't, and you brought it up. You kind of brought, brought up the fact that with C-High and Hoover, and, and it's like it's more than just sports. But to me, the everything revolves around discipline. Mm-hmm. If you have discipline and you have structure and you have order, I can coach. Somebody told me uh, a dad stopped by my house the other day and just drove by and goes, man, my son went down and helped this group trying to get him. He said, oh, he was so frustrated. They had no attention span. And they don't. They don't at that right. age. And it's probably worse than what it was 30 years ago. At least we're going to say that because that's what we always do. Uh, <laughs> But it, it's, it's just that trying to be patient and to get them to understand. I can't coach. And I always said this, I, and, I, 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 and it makes parents mad. Uh, there are kids that I, I can't coach. I will not coach your kid. I'm not going to coach you because you're not going to let me coach you. You can't say that about a kid. You're not going to coach him. No, there's nothing I can do right. until he's willing to accept what I'm trying to share here. I'll share as much as I can. I think I can make them a decent athlete. Maybe not world-class, whatever, but I'll do the best I can. But I, if you're uncoachable, I'm not going to waste my time. That's yeah. what I said. I'm not wasting my time when somebody doesn't want to be coached. And some don't understand that. And I'm not saying I'm, not saying I'm writing off the kid. Right. But this is this is not school. This is and get back to the, it's a privilege to play and whatever and like. But kids today, I think they just want to play. Yeah, I've had one kid in my entire career as a baseball coach, which goes back to when I was seventeen years old. I helped the Babe Ruth, and I took my first team at eighteen. I had six years of Babe Ruth. Well, Dallas Hubby at Northfield, and God love the kid. He was he was crazy, but he was a good time. He was he was a good player, and he was on my state championship team, and state runner up team, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Oh no! What was I going to say? Oh, I, I asked him. I said, I I, I usually ask team, how many of you? It's more important that we win as a team, or is it? I just want to play. Just be honest with me. He's the only kid that said I, and he was okay. And he started both years. He said I, I just want to play. I don't care if we win or not. I thought, I, I, I respect a kid for having the guts to say that. I, of course, you're, at the time, you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. But You're the only one. He, I, funny story about him one year. No, we didn't have lights at Northfield. I shared the when I got in the Hall of Fame thing, I shared it, and somebody else tried it, and he thought it was hilarious. People laughed. We were we had him. I said, hey, Dallas, just kind of kid he was, why don't you go down the shed and turn the lights on? It's getting kind of dark. So he's in there looking, 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 and he finally pops out, and we're like, we don't have lights in Northfield. <laughs> That's the kind of kid he was. He's just kind of scatterbrained, but he's doing real well now, so I can say stuff. He probably won't hear this anyway, but it's one of those fun moments that you remember of all the things you did and hopefully had a good effect on the kids for the most part, and he took it well. But. That's all we hope. That's all we hope. <laughs> that is always That's it. Yeah. 
So thinking about that, and you mentioned, gosh, since you were 17, mm-hmm. you started coaching baseball. I helped Darren Bolt's dad, Bob Bolt, um, first national bank at Babe Ruth. Yeah. And then uh, the next year I took over Joe's. I had that for six years. <coughs> And then I became the freshman baseball coach in, I want to say, 88 or 89. Were, were the freshmen playing at the Babe Ruth Diamond at that time? Yes. Okay. Yep. And um, I, Jack Norton and I were helping Pete Wiggins, and that's the year they went to semi-state. Okay. And they had a losing record. Yeah. <laughs> and we and just, yeah. everything just, and that was so much. And I was kind of the pit, quasi-pitching coach at the time, and I was, whatever, 22 or 3 or 4, whatever it was. And then that next year is the only year since 1980. Two that I have not coached baseball. Eighty is the eighty nine ninety or ninety. And the only reason I didn't coach, I was going to be the freshman coach. I decided not to do, and I was out of college. And I was trying to figure out what's going to do with my life and get a job. And uh, Bob Kemp wanted to become the freshman coach, and they had a rule that if you were in the building, you had. Pre- and I, I understand yeah. that, but at the time, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, and that's the only year I didn't coach, and then uh, I ended up. I even helped it in college, 88. I helped as assistant. I, I couldn't play my senior year because I found I was ineligible. <laughs> and I had, I had rotator cuff surgery in 86, so I missed most of my so- sophomore year. I think I ran bat a couple times. Then I pitched, and I had a bad arm all through college, which was tough because I, I was decent in high school, not great. But in my senior year, I went to Purdue out of high school and quit two weeks into the second semester. And I was taking eight classes, eight hours of class, so the only reason they caught it is because I didn't have 12 hours. You could take less if it's your senior year. And they asked me, he goes, did you go? Somebody looked it up. Did you go to Purdue for like two weeks? Yeah, you're ineligible because oh. it counted as a semester. You can only you have 11 semesters to get 10 in, and that was 12. And it's like if they if I would have took 12 hours, I would have got my whole – sorry, it was a big letter to the head of the NEIA president. It was, I'm sure he's like, what is this? And I was like, it's totally unfair because if I had been, if I'd have known that, I could have sat out the fall yeah. and then played in the spring. I wouldn't have did that, but anyway, right. it, it just the whole thing was crazy. But anyway, I coached coach the year, helped. I, they made me assistant coach, a student assistant, which was funny because I'm teammates one day and the next day I'm their coach, yeah. which they were like, whatever. <laughs> but it was neat. He let me coach third base in a game one time. We were struggling. So I'm, I'm look like I'm eight years old. And I'm <laughs> third. We didn't score, but it was neat that I got the coach and then. From there, I got lucky and finally got on at Northfield. And, and that was neat because, you know, Steve Boozier. Yeah. Boozier was a head football coach at Northfield. Really? And I interviewed very poorly because I'm not a great communicator and I'm just not me. I'm more deadpan and whatever, for my, although I got a sense of humor. And it was a terrible interview. But Boozier knew me that I went to Blackford, so he knew that I was competitive. And he wanted, and I was a year or two older than him. But anyway, he was already there a year. And, uh, you know, he goes, well, I want Ugin. So they put me in, and I had a second interview. Crappy again. He comes back. Where's, where's the guy from Blackford? Oh, you were not getting him. Oh, I want him. Anyway, long story short, it goes all through, and finally, Boozer Davis gave me the job. And, and I said, I don't know if I'd be in education right now. So wow. I owed that to see. We were best buddies. We kind of separated for what, I don't know what happened over the years, but time time just changes, and we went different paths. But um, we were together all the time at Northfield doing all this stuff and coaching together, and we had a blast. And, I, and you can go on stories about that, too, that's just funny. And it's just weird how life takes you down, like you said, with your grandpa and all that stuff. And if Steve Boozer wouldn't have been in that at that point, I don't know if I'd be in education. Yeah. It just turned out that he wanted me bad enough, and huh. it worked out great. So, wow. Anyway. 
That's crazy. <laughs> he, he's a Jay County native. He's a, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I know he's over there now, but I, yep. I thought he was a yep. Jay County native. Yep. Interesting. So, did you guys know each other before that? No. Nope. And he, we lived in apartments in Wabash, and he was in the next section over. And I was either at his house or he was at mine like every night for the entire, That's probably awesome. the first year or so. And then we started, you know, girl got in yeah. involved and girlfriends and stuff. Kind of took us different ways. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. It's just really interesting. It's a small world. Like, it really end. is. It, how I end up in the in the role I am now, yeah. working for Ed Fern, um, I worked with um, Ethan Harriet at the Parks Department. Oh, really? For a partial summer. So uh, the Parks Department has... Uh, a, like a parks manager that's hired on a yearly basis. And the guy that they had hired that year quit or they got rid of him. I'm uh -huh. not sure what the story was, but they needed some help. And I had worked for the parks uh, for a couple summers prior, um, just as like an assistant manager at one uh -huh. point, just as a mowing crew the summer before, just making some extra money, paying some bills. And um, so they called me and said, hey, our parks manager just quit. Um, we don't need a parks manager, but we need someone to guide these kids, you know, for the rest so of the summer. How old are you about this time? Uh, well, I was, I was teaching, so I was 40-something. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It was just my summer gig. I was yeah. still just teaching. Uh, okay. And not just teaching. I mean, nobody just teaches. Holy crap, you know. But um, I was teaching at the time. I wasn't coaching. I think, I think that might have been the year that I'd resigned from coaching softball oh, okay. and basketball. Okay. So I, I had some time uh, in the summer. Might have been that second year. So it was probably 2017. Okay. Probably 2017. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, so just happens he's working on that crew that, that year. They needed some help to finish out the, the summer. And that's how we wow. you know, became friends. And, wow. you know, he's much younger than me. He's right. Uh, he's a good kid. Yeah. Great guy. Great family. And um, through that connection, uh, he had went on to Ivy Tech and you know got his degree and everything else and uh, I'm not sure I think he graduated from Ball State and and then you know started his life. Well, when I when I was leaving, um, and I know Ethan listens, so hey Ethan, I hear you, <laughs> I hear you, I remember. Um, he had started dating, who's now his wife, and and I'd help them with some electrical stuff at their house. I am not an electrician. Do not call me for electrical help on your house. You don't I, even want to ask me. I do not need to be electrocuted any more than I already have. Uh, there's probably a reason that I'm doing a podcast, and it's due to me being electrocuted and the number of concussions I've had in my life. Uh, but we became just became friends, you know. And and uh, when he became uh, business, I think he's business manager. Uh, I'm not even sure what his title is, but I think that's what he does. Um, when he started working for Ed Fern. Uh, I was working down in Madison. I was the AP down there at junior high, and and uh, he said, "Hey, if you're ever thinking about getting out of education, so that actually right. was a seed planted wow. years before I ever came to work for him. A few wow. years, and uh, that's how that's how I ended up calling them to get the furniture at, at Oak Hill, and then ultimately going to work for them. But wow. it's interesting, you're, yeah, you're saying exactly. those, those encounters we have with the people that we meet in life, and how our life changes due to that. And wow. um, you know, I'd worked with. You mentioned Jim Knuckles earlier, and, and I worked with Jim at Overhead Door, and that's where oh, I met wow. him. He was my supervisor. That's going way back. Yeah, so I was 18, so that was 20, or uh, sorry, 1993, 4, wow. somewhere in there, maybe 95. I worked there from 93 to 96. Okay. Um, and then he and uh, his sister and I started dating uh, 95, 96, off and on, and then married in 97. 
but you're talking about a great family. That that family's yeah. been a godsend to me, and they've they've <clears> accepted <throat> accepted me as one of their own, and, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, who knows where? Who knows who Scott Schick would be today without it? Right. And that's right. Uh, I've said that repeatedly that my wife is the reason I'm probably still alive. Wow. Because I was not. I was no. I was no catch. I'll <laughs> say that. Wow. You know. Uh, but yeah, so it's just hey, you fun. bring the right people in your life, right? That's that's why I tell the kids when they graduate with anything, it's like surround yourself with good people. Uh, it's so important. one thing, surround yourself with good people. Thinking about all these years, biggest thing, and I know there's I know there's many. What are the changes that stick out the most? So think about three changes you've seen from seventeen till now. From seventeen, yeah. Just as a coach. As a coach. I think it'd be about the game. It'd be about the kids. Well, probably the one thing that's changed, I don't want to say for the worse, it's made it more difficult, is the lot losing the Babe Ruth. Yeah. Um, We talked about Russ Sutton earlier and how he impacted my life. I was a social studies teacher in junior high, like he was, and I was coaching like he was. Um, But losing that Babe Ruth, so for a year or two, we had nothing. And that's a kill. The big difference for me, I had great success at Northfield and not as much as I would have liked to hear, but it, I also knew going in that things were different. And I'm not, I always say it, and I'm sure they're thinking, he's just knocking them again. It's like, no, it's just, it's different mm-hmm. because they had a feeder system. And when they got to me, they pretty well understood the game, certainly had a good understanding of the rules, not everybody, but. They had a good background. They had guys, I think Steve Furness and um, Bill Barrows and some guys that I coached against All-Stars when I was younger. Um, we always had battles with, in fact, my current wife, her brother was on a team that I coached against. I didn't know it. I coached against her brother's team years ago, and I think they went to state or just missed going to state or something like that. But we don't, without that, now we put the junior high program in, but you used to have eight, nine teams with 12, 13. You're talking almost 100 kids. Mm-hmm. Now with junior high, I had 15 last year. So you've lost 75 kids. And then I don't know if, whether it's just, whether it's social media has, or maybe, you can't say it's the strike of 94 or whatever that screwed up <laughs> baseball or 84, whatever it was. Um, but they're de- baseball. I don't want to say it's too slow. It, but for most kids, it's it's too boring. Yeah, you're just standing around. I think it's like mm, baseball is a lot mental. You've got to be able to stand that. And my son is a perfect example. I watched him play, and I knew he wasn't going to end up being a baseball player because he was chasing butterflies and couldn't focus on the <laughs> even the batter. I mean, he and he ended up being. And of course, by that point, we were divorced, and I didn't get a chance to work with him. That's a whole nother story. But when I worked with him, I thought he could be pretty decent, but he just didn't have that focus. On that, and I think that's that's been a little bit different. That the kids are just it's hands on, go 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 go. Um, so that maybe that part, and then, I don't know. The the travel ball stuff to me has gotten almost out of hand. I've talked to somebody today. They're playing. They're yeah. They're playing tons of games. I hate to think how much they're spending just to play. But mm-hmm. are they learning anything, or is it just going to play? And I that's where I waffle, and then. I I use the term guru. There's all these experts out there that are trying to, you know, this is the way you're going to do it. And I think that's made it tougher for high school coaches because number one, I've got I've gotten older too. I look in the mirror and the guy looking back in my head, I see the kid that was you know 28 when he started, and then sometimes I realize, oh, he's not 28 anymore. He's 58 now. 
And so he's just the old guy telling us the same spiel. He's probably told everybody and all these stories. I tell tend to tell a lot of stories about, well, we did this and that, and they don't care. Um, but there's not one way to do it. Kid, kids, you know this, trying to work with kids, everybody's different. you got to mm-hmm. find the, the bright button to push to get that kid to do what you want him to do. And even then, it's confusing because this kid, I can really push him. I can get all over this kid. But then somebody else is melting down. It's like, why is he so hurting that kid? And you, right. you can see it. Why was it? He's so, and the kid told me, that's the only way you're going to get to me is rip me a new one. And you got their kids, you just can't even look at them. And they're like, I don't see myself as being <coughs> authoritarian. I'm no, I'm no uh, Craig Moore. Um, or even Gary Cheeseman for that. We can't say the things that they did back in the day when they could do it and yeah. get. And I and, and and I've had friends tell me, "Oh, you remember when he did?" It's like I don't remember them cussing like sailors, yeah. but I'm sure they did. My favorite cheese story. I was on the mound. He came out and he was just ripping me a shred, but he was doing it through his teeth like this. And I remember some of the game. This man, cheese was happy. What was he telling him? Like he was ripping me a new one. Um, and that, that's just the way it was. And it, you you either you either crumbled and, and oh, I can't do this or you just got through it and I thought it made you tougher. But today you do that and they don't respond that way anymore. I I, I said I told a kid one year and I'm not proud of this, but it was Andy Ellsroth. I'm I they, we got together years later and I, I think I apologized. I said I shouldn't have told you that. I went out in the mouth and said, Why don't you grow up? And he did not like that. And Andy was a good kid, smart kid, and, and that I could tell it bothered I regretted saying that i should apologize right then but i was too proud back then i'm the coach and this i think that's the way it was too back then i'm the coach this is the way it's going to be and we're going to be i'm going to do the best i can to teach you to be the best baseball player you can it wasn't about the whole person it wasn't about what are we molding i want to win baseball games i want to win and if you do it the way i tell you because i'm such a great coach we're going to do it and then you realize that doesn't work either because you're not that great and you got to have kids with talent. That's the other biggie. You got to have kids with talent. And there's, and, and, and there's kids today in, in our last few years that probably think, yeah, I'm real talented. No, in the scope of things, you know, we're not a, we're not Blackford in 1975. We're one of the biggest schools in the state. Right. And you go up and look in the banners: 73 state runner-up, 74 state champion football, 77 baseball runner-up, 78 one class system state runner-up, 79 state champion, 83 semi-state, 85 semi-state. You know, you go on and on, and then all of a sudden. Why don't we 485? Right. And I know we have class now, but um, I don't think there's the drive that there used to be. I mean, I don't ever feel like needing Cheeseman to tell us to work hard. I'm not going to say we, now football, I wouldn't say that. I didn't work out or I didn't go to summer workouts. I just, I wanted a break. I wanted to be with my girlfriend at the time or whatever. I just, I just need to get away from it. But baseball, like, man, as soon as football was over, we were ready that Monday. We were lifting, throwing. Which is funny for me because I didn't really live. By senior year, I finally took it serious, and uh, I, we just wanted to win so bad. It was like you're going, and we were always decent. Our class, like yours, was talented, and and and, and there are, there are some kids. I think they want to be good, and there's some I think that I want to say think that they're. I'm not trying to knock anybody, but it's just a different mindset, and maybe it's just not important in the grand scheme of things today. I have a couple thoughts on that. Yeah, I go just ahead. want to throw them at yeah. you. Uh, first thought is, and, and I've, I've coached travel. My kid, uh, Addison, she was involved in travel softball. Mm-hmm. And uh, thinking back what you yeah. mentioned about your son, um, my youngest, Jocelyn, she was really talented. Mm-hmm. Um, the game was too slow for her. 
Yeah. You know, she played basketball and soccer. Sure. And ran track and uh, those games, you're you're going. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Softball is a lot of right. a lot of downtime to go right. pick. You know, pick uh-huh. the fertilizer out of the outfield. Yeah. yeah. But uh, just thinking about uh, you're talking about travel. They play so many games that I don't think each game becomes important. Losing's not a big deal, right? Because we're going to play in two hours. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's some of it. Um, uh, kind of, like, I'm I'm like you. My brain runs. No, you're fine. Uh, just thinking about how we also don't have that community connection mm-hmm. that we had at one time either. And it meant something for me to be brute. When I was right, brute, it meant something to me, and I felt like I had, um, I had an obligation to to be, to to be the brute that I remember when when I was a kid and right. be as good as him, and to be you know as good as Chris McKay was when I was a freshman and watching him, and right. you know as, as uh, Chad Terry was and Scott Blakely was brute, and, and I had an obligation to to outdo them or at least right. do them right. right. Um, you know, so on that side of it, I think about, do we still have that? Do we still have that community sense that I was, I felt like, and it was coached into me. You know, our, our coaches at that time would talk to us about you're representing right. Blackford schools. Right. And uh, as a brute, right. I was the right. like physical incarnation of exactly. who we all are. And, yeah. and I know we were all told that as, as cheerleaders and, and I know my friends had it as well as, you know, football and baseball and basketball players and volleyball and everything else. I felt like there was a, a sense of community pride putting on uh, <clears throat> something that said Blackford schools on it. And it meant something because that was the, the only option. Right. What I'm thinking now is yeah. a 49 year old man who's had kids come through. My daughter's been Addison has, has told me, Dad, I just didn't have a whole lot of school pride. It didn't. I wasn't all rah rah. Got to be Blackford, and you know, coming from um, my wife who is rah rah Blackford, I, I talked about taking my youngest daughter out of Blackford sports at one time, going right. and playing over at Upland in a rec league. Right. She was like, "I'm not. That's not happening. Not happening on my watch." Wow. I mean, that's like, so we come from, my kids come from that. But, and, and I haven't ever really talked to Jocelyn about it to see where she's at. But Addison's been very clear. She's like, I just wasn't, you know, wasn't all rah rah. Black well, Bruins. too. That'd be another one that popped up. And it's, it's kind of touchy. You know, I got to be careful. The number of players that were decent baseball players since I've been here who are, didn't play at Blackford. That's frustrating. And, and some had the legitimate. Perfectly good sure. excuses, Tony. It's not you. It's not you. Well, I still take it personal. Sure. No. If if you really cared, in my opinion, that goes back to what you said. And and the one thing it was neat. We won the section on seventeen with a team that was, they were great kids. I don't think they were world beaters, but everything fell into place. And it came down to the last strike, even. And we rallied and we beat them because of the pitching rules and all that. But for that, I'm getting chills like you said earlier. <laughs> the number of not. people from the community that showed up for that sectional yep. that was. That was Blackford back, and it was for a fleeting moment, and then we went right back to whatever. But you're right. It's this. But here's something I, I didn't think until till later in life that really hit me. I'm just had a, we had a 40 year reunion. I didn't go, but it was 40. It was last last weekend. So in 19, for 2023, that was 1983. So if I'm talking about 1983, now let's put us back in our day, 1983. That's 1943. That's right. 
I could have cared less what happened in 1943. Roosevelt's president, what? You, you see what, it's, it's like, so all of these stories that we have fresh and all these yeah. stuff we're talking about, and they don't care. They don't care. But it's still, to me, and I came back, they brought me back from North, after I won the state North, but they brought me back to be a speaker at that preseason thing they did with a kind of a, what they, what they call those things. They brought the whole school in and they, yeah, I was a speaker pep session type to get the year or jumpstart the yeah. year. And I remember running around, I was pointing at the banners. Look at that. <coughs> Look what's up there. Look at the history. <coughs> For a few minutes. And one kid ran out afterward. Man, you got me so excited. I'm playing football. And I'm sure he didn't in the end. But um, that's why I played football. I wanted to be the quarterback of the Blackford Bruins. When I was a kid, I was in my yard listening to the radio, the Bruins playing. I cried when they lost, when they got beaten in semi-state by Connorsville or whoever, LaPorte or whoever that beat them. And I'm throwing the ball. I, I'm Phil Payne. I'm Bill Johnson. I'm this. I'm playing in my underwear, Nerf, but in my thing. I'm um, Orrin Bargerhoff and Tross, Ron Tross, and all these guys. Nobody has a clue they are now. It's like that's what I wanted to be, and. I, I wanted to be state champs. I wanted to be that first guy to do it because that's what Bruins did. I was glad we got the semi-state and a lot of stuff. But now this last 10 years, except for that sectional, I've not. we've lost our first game of sectional every year, eight down nine years. And it's just, gosh, we sure. But we're also in a pretty tough sectional. I mean, it's been tough. We've, we've had to draw the, pretty much the best teams, I think, almost every year except that one year we were sectional. But that's not an excuse. But I think about, too, realistically, in 1970s, I would have been fired after yeah. I wouldn't even won a sectional. Yeah. I got fired after three years because we went won four games that second year and eight. Mind you, I'd won twenty two in a year on average for twelve years, and I knew it was coming. I had a guy tell me, he said, "You're going to ruin your Hall of Fame chances if you come to Blackford." And I always say this, and again, not knocking people, but they knew where it was going. Yeah. There just wasn't a lot of kids playing sports back in uh, had been. 15 and 16, 14 to 16 range. I mean, you know, the basketball yeah. where it got one and 71, all that stuff. But like, like you said, I was talking, I think Jake Ross, I was talking, I say, Jake, I don't understand. We won the section. The next year we were, we were like 10 and 18. It's like, what happened? The whole team was back. I, to this day, that's the only team in my history of coaching that I don't understand what happened. I don't know where life hit them. It just occurred to them. It's like, oh, I got to worry about life. But Jake, I brought him in, Jake, he was a junior, I think, that year, and that happened. He's like, Coach, you got to understand something. We never won anything our entire lives. Nothing. Right. And it's like, I, I can't process that. Well, you can't process hard. Right. We're talking about, we lost 10 games our whole career. And, and they're 71 and 72. But God love them for hanging in there, and we got through it. And we've had some decent years. And, of yeah. course, the year, the COVID year, where I had the whole team back, and Herds, you know, Peyton was great, and Mealy and all those guys was trouble. We were loaded, and we don't play it. Right. And you're like, that would have changed things. But a lot of other schools said the same thing. But, you know, life happens. That was an anomaly class. <sighs> that group, that group they of boys. They were good. Uh, and, and there were girls in that class as well. There was yeah. just a lot of them. A lot of good athletes. I Tori remember, Baker, I remember. Yeah. I, I, I think that's that ballpark uh, range. Or is she older than that? She's a year older. older. Okay. Um, you know, that group of kids, there were, uh, I think, 160 of them. And I had all of them in my in my social studies class. Wow. And, man, it was, there was a lot of seats, <laughs> a lot of classes, you know, uh, six classes. And many of them had 33, 35. And I, I remember that group of kids, they, they would come in fifth period, and there was only like 18 and I look around, I go, where am I at? 
Yeah. And they go, this is it, Mr. Shake. I mean, we're still doing wow. this. Wow. So yeah. I'll put you on a spot, Administrator. What's the ideal class size? Size don't matter. 30 classroom? Yeah. Um, I, I told my counselor at Oak Hill I didn't want to see anything bigger than 24. And we had a couple that, that got bigger than that. No, granted, we were very blessed oh, sure. to have oh, sure. um, have the numbers aligned for that. But, yeah, 24, I think, is is where I want to see it max yeah. out at. And we had some That's 27. Reasonable. It'd be great to have 1820. The best class I ever had, my first year at Northville, second hour class had 11. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure it was 11 or 13. That, that might be tougher. And it was, I thought it was fun because was it was first small. Period? It was second. Okay. So, luck first would have been more challenge. I was always... First hour is always tough because you. I taught the same thing all day long. Yeah. You like yep. you were U.S. history five days exact same thing. Yeah. So second one pretty decent. Third rolling fourth yeah five yeah go go go. And I was a note guy back in the day. Oh yeah. Get out your notes and we'd, I'd write the whole hour like Mr. I'm the lecturer. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was it was all story based. You know, imagine that. But um, yeah, I, that group of eighteen we would burn through our my lesson. Oh, and I yeah. felt terrible. And plus, they were a group of kids that were like in band and like advanced English, and they were the more advanced kids. And I think they ended up being pigeonholed into that class uh, because of the other things they were in. So they uh, all just happened to be pretty high, you know, high ability kids, not high ability, but high achievers. Right. And uh, so we would burn through stuff and we had to get creative. Yeah. You know? But it was fun. I don't know. Yeah, I would say 24. That's what we talked about when I was at Oak Hill. Yeah. And it's tough to do. Very fortunate there to where we had uh, the student numbers and teacher availability that aligned to do that most of the day. Uh, what was interesting is because we shared a few teachers with uh, the high school that we would have one semester, it would be seventh grade, would have a couple heavy classes. Mm. Next semester, it was eighth grade that oh, had okay. some heavier classes. Give a break. Uh, Seasoned educators. It, it doesn't yeah, matter if you got fifteen no. or thirty-three. It, no. it's, they're gonna they're gonna kill no. it either way. And I'm very blessed over there. Everywhere I've been, I've worked with some great teachers, and very few, very few. I can count on one hand. Don't even need all the fingers right. of teachers where I thought probably right, not your probably not the best spot for you. You yeah, know, right. and, and and I say that as both a teacher and as an administrator and as a parent. I'm just thinking to myself, would I want my kid in that class? Right. Maybe three. Wow. I'm like, ah, probably just not the best fit for you. Right. And, you know, some of them, it was their first year. Some of them, it was, you know, their second, third. Right. I had a couple that were a little bit more seasoned where I'm like, maybe it's, they just lost their love for it, you know? Right. I'm a passion guy. You know that. I've always been. Right. Um, I burn pretty hot. Right. Um, I, I always tried to, to use that to my advantage when I would go in and talk to teachers about uh, their their evaluations, mm -hmm. things like that. What are you passionate about? Right. Why aren't you doing more of that? Right. You know, um, I, I saw a couple teachers teaching things that were they were very passionate about, and they're just on fire, and the whole classroom's on fire right. because of it, and the kids see it. They, <clears> they sense it. I was talking to Hal Bowman about it last week, and uh, they, they know. The kids right. know. They know right. when you're in love with what you're doing and love what you're teaching, right. what you're coaching, whatever. And there's just a whole new sense, man. They've they've got spidey senses. Well, in our TikTok video, the kid, the long-haired kid, he's in a class. And he's like, "Why don't you oh, teach us something?" You just I love that video. I know. At first, you're kind of like, "Man, that's really," and you realize what he's saying. 
And you had to listen to it a second time. You're like, oh, she's on the number of times that kid thought about that in his head. Yeah. Sitting in that classroom for him to to say it and articulate it the way he did. Right. I love that video. It was brilliant. It was. And it was timed. Like, he just, he nailed it. And that teacher just sat there. Yeah. Come on, man. That's what I'm talking about. You don't need to be there. No. You don't need to be there. And it's unfortunate. We're, we're in a, we're in a tough situation where, um, Teachers and administrators are leaving. I'm one of them. You know, right. um, we have some that are retiring. You retired, and yeah. others that are coming in that um, that are that have some great life experience. And I was one of those too. I had some great life experience behind me, uh, and I was passionate about what I did. And right. um, you know, we're in a tough spot with, with teaching. Uh, I think we were talking earlier. I replaced you know 13 people in a staff of 23, and some of those right. were repeats, but. Have we become too structured of we got to hit, you know, it seemed like it was more time. I, I taught what I wanted to teach oh, back in the day, and now all of a sudden it became, yeah, I need to know exactly what your lesson plans for every single thing. So I was like, yeah, just let me teach my class. You got to share your data. Yeah. And hey, we're going to share data next month. You're the person, you know. You're going to get in front of everybody and tell them what you're doing in your, in your social Yeah, studies stress them out even more. That, People that help like, with our math and language arts scores. Right. Hey, I, I'm a team player, and, and, and I I stood up, man. I, I did everything I could to help out. and felt like I was a very effective teacher. Would I rate me as highly effective? I don't know. If I was the administrator in there, I was rated highly effective, but I don't know that me as an administrator would have. My teaching style was relational, mm-hmm. and everything I've done has been relational mm-hmm. and, and uh, you get along with everybody. I, I try. You know, I'm not trying to make enemies. <clears throat> I'm not trying to make people mad. I realize I'm. I realize early on that you know the whole. I, I think early on I called it. You get more bees with honey, but it's it's true. Right. You know, if if I like you, if I respect you, if I trust you, and you've shown me reasons to have all those feelings about you over time. Right then I'm going to learn from you. And, right. you know, and you're one of those people where you you are very you are very consistent in your life right. and the things you say and the things you do. And it's why people follow you. It's why people believe in you. It's why you were able to overcome some early stuff right. as AD right. and coaching. Right. You know, when you came to Blackford, you'd already proven, hey, I, I'm a winner. I can I can get through this. And people followed you because of that. Were they happy with it all the time? Oh, well, sure I can tell you as a parent, I wasn't always happy right, with it, but right. but I trusted you. Right. And I, I wasn't worried about, is my kid going to have an athletic director that's going to be unfair or not going to care? Right. You know? right. And I think right. that's huge. I think that's a huge piece that we are worried about. I was talking to Al Bone about the same thing last week, that we live in a time now where everything's transparent. Yeah. You know, we didn't know that Roosevelt was in a wheelchair. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. They were able to hide it. Yeah. It, you didn't know that Lincoln had been kicked in the face by a horse as a kid. Looked at him and thought, what the heck? He'd been kicked <laughs> in the face by a horse? <laughs> you didn't know it. You know? You didn't know these things about people, and you didn't question them. Right. Because the information wasn't available. Right. And now information is so easily attained. And whether it's real or fake, you know, I, and I, I don't get political here. Right, right. Uh, but is it is it legitimate information or is it just somebody telling a story? Exactly. Um, and I hate that idea that it's somebody telling a story and someone gets 
their life, potentially their whole life can be derailed over a story. Man. And I've watched it happen to a great friend of mine and uh, it, 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 it burns me to the core to watch someone be dismantled publicly over a story that just wasn't true. And their whole life is derailed, worse than derailed. So it's sickening. uh, But, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's those events you run into in life and how quickly they can, they can change us. You know, we're talking about participation number of kids watching that participation drop lowest number of kids i've had we had uh, we barely had a jv we only played five games i think uh the one thing i will say and going back kind of the way i was talking about it because there's some things that, that change the, from the pods i've been really thrilled for the most part of my kids wanting to learn and get better i think they're starting i don't know where it's just that trust you're talking about maybe he knows what he's talking about whatever or maybe i'm doing a better job trying to really i'm not an overly i'm not a huggy feely i love you man i've never understood coaches i love you man i did that's just not me see i can do it he's hugging i actually hugged my seniors this year at the thing i'm sure they were like what is he doing in fact gabe foster hugged me last year coach i am going to hug you I love Gabe. I'm a a a Gabe fan, man. Exactly. I wish I knew what he was doing. I should text him and find out what he's up to, but I'm almost afraid to ask. (laughs) Um, But uh, I've got kids, I think, who care, and they want to be better. We just don't have that huge talent. But I had a fun group this year for the most part. What was tough about not having the numbers, Cody Jones, I'll just throw him out there. Cody Jones decided to come out. Because I basically put that out. If we don't have 18 guys, we cannot play JV. And you know how hard it is with 18 anyway. And we just and one guy was injured most of the year, so we couldn't play because I don't I can't spare varsity guys because we played thirty games or twenty eight games, um, and he finally came out. We played a few at the end, and and some of those kids, you know, they the whole they had to wait a month just to play because they weren't good enough to play JV, but they stuck with it. I hope they stick it out. And, and and then going the opposite, the year before we had some kids that were a little bit older who decided not to come out, and that's where it's tough. It's like gosh, you guys not playing. These guys may not get to play because you're not gonna. And that's that's that, you know. I there's no I in team thing, and I would say, well, me's in there, but nevertheless, but kids have to decide. You know, it's easy for me to say, well, don't be a quitter. Well, when things got tough at in Florida, when I moved down there, I left the next week. So I guess technically I'm a quitter. You know, I say things happen in life. Sure. We have to make choices. What's best for them? So I get it. I'm not mad at those kids per se, or I'm not mad at the kid you know that moved away and didn't play. But it's just it's tough because like, gosh. What would we be now if they'd have stayed? And what if all these kids along the way would have just stuck with it or the ones that, well, I'm not getting to do what I do. Well, you're going to be better the next year. Right. And in two years, when you're a senior, you're going to be stud. But they never let themselves get to that point for whatever reason. That's that's hard. And there's nothing like, you know, you can try to say, and I see you encourage you're not selling short. Well, I remember I had this kid. He didn't. They don't care. <laughs> you hope it maybe affects a yeah. couple along the way. But anyway, so I, I one of the things that says, are you glad or do you regret leaving Northfield? No, I think my time was over. Yeah, and as good as it was, you get to a certain point where what else is there to accomplish? Won two state championship, state runner up, and we won in seven, eight sectionals, four in a row at the end there. And, it's, and they won it the year after I left. So, guess what? Didn't need me either. That's right. They still want it. And that's the other thing. It's hard, you know, when you talk about all this stuff and we're done, somebody replaces and life goes on. But 
Uh, I don't know what have to do with this conversation, but that's a that's one of those real life hitters. Like yeah. the world will function without you. It will. But you hope you contribute something. I mean, I appreciate what you said earlier about stuff. And um, I always think with you, changing the subject totally different, is I think, man, maybe with the courage and the patience to be a repo man like you did, you could probably <laughs> handle anything in education. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a, I don't know if you've shared much about that or not. No, that is, no. <laughs> maybe another time. It'll, but. it'll come up, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I, I remember thinking that, you know, that had, that had jaded me and toughened me up. And um, the kids are different. Yeah. You're dealing with lives, you know. Uh, There's a lot happening to kids uh, today that we didn't I, have to deal with. And I think, and I don't want to throw it all on social media, but I'm not so sure that's, it seems like it's stressing people. That you, did, we compare everybody to everything. I got to be this. I got to be that. It's like, no. But I felt that. I felt that when I was a kid. Yeah. I thought I had expectations to live up to yeah um and and i've thought about that a lot i've thought about that especially as a as a teacher and administrator and as a coach you know what are these kids going through that i don't see and how how can i help them through it you know right. and so you, you were talking about you're not a not a lover like like a touchy feely touchy feely lover you know that sounds not weird vegans. right yeah, and it's different. You see families that are just loving. You're like, ah, sometimes you wish you're like that. But it's like, we get, my mom said it best. She goes, you know, we live five miles apart. We see each other once a month or something. You know, I still love you. That's right. So, yeah, I know. That's it. That's, it. That's 100%. Yeah. And, and, and I think every every family is going to be different coming through that, mm -hmm. you know. So, I don't know. You know, think about that kid that he don't want to hug. Right. You know, that yeah. kid does not want to hug. He doesn't even he don't even want a high five. Right. He just every once in a while wants you to go, hey, appreciated you. Or you know how much just right. that one little token right. line of had a great game today. Right. And how that could change the course of their life because maybe it's the first time they heard it. Yeah. As a teacher, I would always tell my and as an administrator, always told my kids I loved them, always, always. And um, part of that was number one. I wanted them to know that someone did. Right. And there was probably somebody in there that needed to hear it. Right. And I can remember a student coming to me. It's maybe year four or five into me teaching. And they said, thank you. And, and I, was, I was like, right. what? Because for me, it was it was a regular thing. Right. Uh -huh. And they said, you're, you're, the first, you're the first adults ever told me that, that, that they love me. Wow. Like, wow. wow. You know, so you talk about right. I can be tough as I want to be standing right. now at 2.30 in the morning in the wrong side of South Bend, um, but that means absolutely nothing when that kid said that to me. And right. That was a life changer. It's like, holy crap, I, I really am. I really am making an impact. Right. You right. question that. Every, all of us question. I think at some point you right. realize everything I do today. Well, it's those notes, like you said, you'll get one every once in a while, the blue. Coach, I never understood what you were talking about until last week, and you're like, well, good for you. That's all. I'm glad I had an effect on you. That's it. Those are the neatest things because it makes you feel better about it. Because you don't get in a situation you were in, you don't get a lot of pats on the ADs, don't get pat on Hey, great job because you just go about your business. Yeah. If you don't hear anything, you're probably doing a good job. But if you expect somebody to tell you you're doing great, it ain't going to happen, yeah. which is always tough, too. You know nobody's ever going to tell you. Why can't they just once? That's all they, I need. <laughs> that'll fill my cup, man. That's what's neat about being groundskeeper now because I the field looks nice, and they'll, hey, the field looks great. That's Good. Right. That's nice. 
So hey, it's all our ads out there. Hey, great job getting officiator, uh, getting officiating filled up this year. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Did you want me to get on that one? Yeah, I think that's that a good thing. I, I, I brought that up several times, and I put it in the social media stuff. It's like, if we don't lay off officials, and I, yeah, you get in there. I watch these, I don't even know why I watch this YouTube shorts and all that stuff, but I kind of want to get a feel for what's going on in the world. And what if, Am I dealing with, and it's like, no, I'm not dealing. I became an official last year and for football only as a backup in case we got to help Scott out. If something happened, I, yeah, I got that. I got my baseball license, and I got my hip surgery, and I couldn't do that. But... I decided to go down to youth football in town, and I'll, I'll do a, a game and help them out on the weekend. My sixth quarter of being a youth football official, the other official called a flag on something that's the other team, I'm not going to say where, threw a fit. Before everything was said and done, we were on a delay for about 15 to 20 minutes waiting on the police to show up to escort them from the field. My sixth quarter of being a youth football official and the one parent, the female, walked behind their bench, cussed us out behind their team from the field. And I didn't do anything. I'm just standing there. There's only two of us. And you go, you bleepity bleeps. You screwed us. Bleep, bleep, bleep. And even their fans were like, oh, come on. You know, and finally a guy came over like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. So I, yeah, I think he was an AD. I'm like, you probably should have handled that then. But he was probably like everybody else, like, what's happening? Right. And finally, they took three police officers the first one was trying and they finally got him to leave and i'm like golly is this even about the kids anymore really we're all living through our kids uh and i, I was a terrible I, parent i was a, ter- a terrible well i didn't parent. understand it until i be my son played football and he was terrible and he would admit that and he played safety because they could get him on the field and he touched somebody touched somebody Maybe that goes back to the lovey-feely thing. One time in his two years, I think he played football. And he was the only kid who didn't play offense. And I said, I went up to the coach. I said, I really appreciate what you're doing. I get my son's not very good. I understand that totally. He said, but I don't understand why he didn't play offense. Because he's going to figure it out. Right. I'm no good. I'm the only one. And he's going to quit the sport. He said, you do realize your kid's on the, on, in practice laying on the ground in fetal position crying because, yeah, I get that. But I've watched their kids. You don't throw it. He just runs down the field. So the next game, he plays three plays on offense, two of which they score touchdowns. And my son has nothing to do with it, but he ran down the field, and a guy ran after him because they don't know he's not any good. And my son quit football the next year. And it's and, and that, that was – but but I understood why people get fret. They just want to see their kid be a part and play. And that's the toughest thing for me about being a coach is knowing – you have kids that are the nicest kids. They were. I had one this year, Derek Kelly. God love that kid. He worked as hard as anybody, and probably was at more practice than anybody. But he would be the first to tell you he's not as talented as the other kids. But you want to try to get them on there. But then when you get in those tough games, you just like I just can't. I can't get him out there. And then you get to that that conversation. It's like you know, well we're losing anyway. So what makes a difference with kids it's like? Well, you don't want to get in that discussion. With these guys, right. at least it's 0-0 zero, zero to begin with. We have chance. If I start with this group, we're going to be down 15 nothing so fast. That ain't going to be any fun either. And then at what point do we, you know, kids earn the right to play based on what they do and all that stuff, and that's hard. But it, but it's no fun because I want those kids to play. And you got to have them yeah. because if you don't, you don't have right. a team. And there's years where that's all you have. That's right. And you just go to about a year where we're 4-23. Man, that was tough. The next year we were eight and twenty-one, but those kids 
lost 10 games by two runs or less. That was one of the most fun get years we ever had. On paper, it was a disaster. In reality, and then the next year, they won the sectional. And you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> but the, even that 4-23, we worked to this point, and we got those kids to do what we needed enough, and things fell in the right place, and it happened. But I've, I, I've had parents, we're getting away from the officiating, but kind of same thing, line themselves up with me as I'm watching the oh, batter yeah. to make sure that they see their arms crossed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then years ago, it's like, well, you're never going to play now. Well, that's not fair. It's right. not a kid's fault parents doing that. Exactly right. But but usually they're the same ones screaming at the officials, too. But, I, you know, they're they're getting out. I'm looking at these the officials. I think it was average was 55 age. And I'm 58. I just got in there, and I'm older than the average. And in 10 years, where are we going to be? I saw a guy get punched in the head at a little league game on, on one of those videos I watched. I watched somebody else get threatened. Then the guy in Texas got shot. That NFL yeah. player's brother shot somebody. Yeah. I'm like, that's what it's got to? <laughs> Over a nine-year-old football game? It's that critical. I'm going to kill you for screwing up my kid's life. It's like, oh, man. And it's, it makes you wonder, is it time to get out before I get shot for doing something stupid? I mean, I, I, <laughs> You don't want to even but, think that. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're laughing but now, how can but, you not? You know? I, I mean, I, I chuckle, but I'm like, holy crap. I've had parents just ream me, you know? As as in in a winning situation, right? You know, right? It's like, what the heck? Seriously? I mean, okay. So I held him up a base. You, you realize we just scored twelve runs this inning, right? This oh, you me. And I had what that. We had that basketball game. We scored a hundred and yeah, and, I mean, and the co- the coach made a made a mistake. He forgot to have a bench. <laughs> they had nobody to put in. And it happened in the girls' game. They were mad because I said something. I said, I, I don't want to see 90 to 8. Yeah. There's no reason for that. And then, oh, that's ridiculous. You play. What is to be gained by that? Yeah. I've I, been on the other end of that so oh, many times. Football, when we were in Northfield, we got beat 70, whatever, guys. And then the one coach, he just flat out said, well, my kids, they're trying to be all state. I'm like, you're 250 yards rushing against the maybe the worst football team in the history of mankind, or certainly in bottom 10 in Indiana. What does that mean? Right. I mean, let some other kid. But and I, I've never felt like I need. I've stopped guys. I've, you know, I've at a cost. This year we had a game where we could have easily won 10 run rule. I called off the dogs. It was 11. The coach was a great friend of mine and hadn't coached him against him in years. Like I'm not running up on this guy. And they ended up getting back. We had to play two extra innings. Then you're thinking, well, I just burnt two things. But no, I did the right thing. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Guess, I'm not gonna do that. But I don't do you, care. You do it to me, I don't care. Yeah. Don't say anything. If you beat me three nothing, you go right ahead. If that's yeah. what you think's necessary, because we're gonna learn how to deal with adversity. Things happen in life. You're not happy with it. You learn how to get through it. But. I coached same group of girls from fourth grade through eighth grade, and in that span, we may have won four games, uh-huh. and we got throttled every game, but we got better every game. And, you know, it's just a continuation of talking to the kids about, you know, we we have to get better. And you have to consciously decide right. that you're 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 going to look at. And we knew we were going to get beat. I mean, right. in, in our heads, we were competing against our last best selves. And that's the mentality I was trying to teach them. And right. I think I did that. I, I, I feel like I did that. I hope I did that. Right. Uh, and I would get, comp, you know comments made to me from other teams oh my god you guys got so much better right. this time or that time and 
like, hey, I appreciate that. She's got a long ways to go, you know. Just right. we didn't have anybody could score. Heck, when we first started playing together, nobody could dribble. Wow, you, know, you can't dribble. No one, you know. <laughs> I remember asking one of the coaches. I said, or one of the parents who happened to be a coach. I said, you know, sorry, man. And he's like. Oh, don't worry, I'm sitting up in the bleachers and I'm criticizing every decision you make. And he said it, you know, time <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, I felt better about it then. Yeah, right. You know, he realized what, what I was battling against. and But it wasn't for the lack of trying. Right. That group of girls worked so hard. The, <sighs> Those are maybe the more rewarding oh. seasons, but you have to be able to take the winning and losing out of your head. Because yeah. all you see is a, a coach, God, I'm five and 17 right now what if, <laughs> nobody cares we didn't get to say five and seven oh yeah well even whatever yeah I mean, one and but if you lose by six and people are like why are they so excited it's like they just right. played great oh. and some of the best the best games ever coached were losses right we played a we played a muncie team one night and, um it was competitive to the last minute i mean we were mm-hmm. in it and um you know it was one of those things we were playing at the the harford city junior high gym and uh that that gym was so small. So if if you could press and you had a right. decent press, right, it's effective in there. <laughs> and so every, that's all we ever did. We were like we pressed every every possession. That team that couldn't dribble. Team that couldn't dribble. Well, you wouldn't have dribbles far because you're there. <laughs> Defensively, we pressed yeah. every wow. every time. We we had a drill that, that actually got us to where we get the ball across half court because teams would you know just start pressing us right, and they'd run right. up thirty to nothing. And then, you know, right. you, you can't press. And then we would get the ball across half court, and they would take the ball away from yeah. us immediately and go score. But that, that group of girls worked so hard, and I was so proud of them for not quitting. Mm-hmm. Like, they they did not have quit in them. Uh, and some of them went on and played all the way through high school wow. and, uh, you know, dealt with it all the way through right. high school as well. And, and I was so proud of them for that. And um, I hope that that taught them something the same thing you're saying taught them something about who they were as a person right. um that they weren't quitters mm-hmm. that they could overcome anything beat me down right. i'm gonna keep getting back right. up you said that look your look in the mirror if you can tell that person you played as hard as you can then i've done my job and you've done yours i don't use that too much anymore but i wish right. i did because that we use all those cliches and we had a we had a practice one day and i decided that day that they were going to get a lesson on cutting corners that was the day. Like we weren't good enough to cut any corner, no matter where it was, when it was, or what it was. So you know, get through with our dynamic warm up, and I have them run a couple laps, just you know, get right. loose. And uh, I'm watching them cut a corner around that gym at at the yeah, junior high yeah. here in Hartford City. Yeah. Man, there's not a corner no that you can't you cut. Gotta. You have to. <laughs> but I'm watching them right. and they're cutting the corner, and I didn't tell them <clears throat> what the day was about. I was going to make them figure it out. And so they get done with that first two laps. I said, hey, keep going. And I just turned around and started talking to Gary Roten. We're just chit-chatting. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, they're not going to cut corners anymore. Any corner. Yeah. None. So he's like, okay. You know, They run another lap. They come around. They kind of look at me. I said, keep going. Now they're starting to question, right. what did we do? Right. You know? And finally, uh, it was probably about four maybe six laps in grace marshall yells no cutting corners she realized that every i was watching every corner 
Like I would right. ignore and then just watch in the corners. That's all I was doing. And and they ran one lap. No one cut a corner. We got back in. And said, all right, let's get going. Wow. And they just figured it out. And then I talked to them right after that. And I said, ladies, we are not good enough to cut a corner. Whether it's in here, whether it's out there, it's at the next game or anywhere else, we can't cut corners. We're just not good enough. We have to eliminate cutting corners. We can right. do that. We'll get a little bit better. Right. And, you know, we did. We, we won a game that year, and, and uh, we'd actually practiced that. We practiced what it was going to look like because we had seen teams beat us that weren't very good and hadn't right. won many games, and they would go bananas. The crowd would go bananas. They would go bananas, and they forgot about the handshake line. <laughs> and I said, we're not going to be that team. Uh-huh. And so we talked about we were getting ready to play, and it was Elwood, and they, mm. they had a couple athletes on that team, but they were kind of in the same boat. We were we had a chance to win, and um, we go over there, and we had practiced what it looked like after you win because we'd never won, wow. so we had to yeah, practice exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. And we practiced how you don't, you're going to handshake, and you're going to say, great game, great game, great game to every kid. And when you shake that hand, you look them in the eye and say, great game. And so they're going down through the line. And we'd done that. Right, they were right, good right. at it. But I wanted to make sure that when we beat them, right. that we did it again. That's that we were consistent. Good. So we're going down through the line. And I'm watching every girl. Good game. Good game. Good game. <laughs> and I get down to the end. The coach is like, hey, man, thanks. You know, and I'm like, hey, great game. Right. That's going to be one of us, right? Right. And so they all go into the locker room. And it was the, the conversation we'd had prior to that game was, that locker door shuts before one person yells. Right. And that locker door <laughs> shut, and you can hear it in there. Ah, they're going bananas. Uh, it's one cool. of the girls' birthdays, so there's birthday cake in wow. there, and it's everywhere. They cleaned up, Coach. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> and they just celebrated. Yeah. But then what was awesome was there was a girl on that eighth-grade team. Uh, it must have been seventh-grade year okay. because we came out and set with a girl uh, from that Elwood team that we'd beat, it was her birthday as well, uh, and we sat with her wow. and celebrated her birthday with her too. That's cool. It was just one of those things. I wanted to make sure they knew you know, when we're done, when we're done competing, right. it's just like them. Right. No different. And I think sometimes that gets translated well. I was very blessed because I had that group of kids for so many years. Right. Uh, as a softball coach, I right. came in, I had a group that uh, was – I would say a little dysfunctional because some of them had played, some of them hadn't played for various reasons. Right. I came into a group of what? I think I had 10 seniors my first year. Right. And all of them were, were players. Man, I love that group of kids. They were all had great qualities in their own right. and But as a team, they hadn't played together. Right. It was very difficult. I had such high hopes because they were, there were some great kids, some great parents. Mm. Uh, that could have been a wonderful team. Um, had had we had time together, and them have time together as a team, right. we just didn't have it. Yeah, it was it was very difficult. You know, uh, and I, a little bit of shell shock going from you know I coached junior high basketball to coaching varsity softball, and our softball team had some success for many years out right. there. Prior to me coming in and a couple other coaches, but um, it's tough. And I was like, I remember coming to you, and you were out working on your baseball field, and I'm like. I'm done, dude. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. That was a lot. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't need that in my life right now. Sometimes it takes years. How long you do it? Two years. Two, just two yeah. years. I, I, there was a coach in the conference this year. that said we were just kind of talking at the end. We had our selection meeting, and we were just kind of talking. He's like, ah, I had some parents writing me. I'm just. 
I don't know if I can do this. I just stick with it yeah. for four years yeah. and take minimal three, probably four. And it depends on where you get support from your administration too. And I don't know every school's different, but I said they got to understand over time that this guy ain't changing. Yeah, isn't changing. <laughs> this is the way it's going to be done. He's going to expect, and I think that's what's kind of happening now at Black. I think they're finally realizing, okay, this guy's just going to do it the way he does it. We're not going to. Not that anybody was trying anything, but I think they're starting to buy in. I hear it's when kids start saying stuff that you say, and it becomes yeah. oh, that's okay, huge. They're starting to get it. And I one the dad was telling me the other day, he's like, "Dinner, he's like, you're not playing for Coach Union if you don't play like this. He's going to expect this." this. <laughs> that's why I love taking the kids down to coach younger kids because. They might act like they don't care what you're saying, but when you make them the coach, oh, they say the same thing. Yeah, they become you. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's like that's pretty cool. That's so feeling to have right there. But it's something I, I witnessed while at uh, Oak Hill for this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, Renbarker's been there twenty plus years. Oh yeah, been a part of that program twenty plus years, and Coach uh, Coach Oz has been there twenty oh, forever. I coached against years. him back in Galway. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and uh, Shane has been there for 17, 18 years. And they just, they, everybody, everybody coming through knows this is who you're going to play for. And, you know, Ben Johnson's been coaching softball for, uh, man. Well, King, was it King? Coach King coached wrestling forever. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, they're, it's not long guys in cross country and track. Those oh, guys are always gosh, there. Man. He's such a rock star. <laughs> I, I enjoy it so. I just enjoyed going into his classroom and oh, yeah. observing him and all the, all the, but you know, he had a very different vibe to him and uh, just, just real enjoyable. And all of them were enjoyable to be around. <laughs> uh, that was a great place to be. You know, uh, I really enjoyed my time at Oak Hill, you know, uh, great people, great place. And, uh, but it's that longevity piece, you know, I had exactly um, support huge. Just talking about some of the teachers that have been in the building for long term. Mm-hmm. There's just a culture that's in place, and that's what the expectation is. So culturally, <laughs> I didn't have to do a whole lot. Right. You know. Right. They they had it on lockdown. My seventh grade team had lost some components to it, uh, but that eighth grade team was on lockdown, and right. they knew what. Right. Here's how you it is. You go back for that, Russ Sutton. I was uh, mentioning how many years was your. I played Babe Ruth basketball and football with him for it was for years and years and years. And Mike Richardson, all those guys, Dave Bowman. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of people that were there for a long time. But it makes a difference just to have that longevity. But yeah. speaking of longevity, we've been here a long time. Yeah, yeah this so is a lot longer than half hour than we were shooting for. <laughs> well, I knew <laughs> it would go. Cut and paste. And cut I, out I the, a, no, it's, there's going to be no kind of I'm just hoping here. at the end of it, it's, it's still called the Schick Show, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> it always will be. It's, it's close enough. That's, you know, I was, uh, one of the things I would tell students day one, when, as, a, as an assistant principal and as a, as a uh, principal, you know, you had that beginning of year convo, and mm-hmm. I would say, it's Mr. Schick, it's with an ick, not an ick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh. Once, I wasn't sure when you first told me the name of it. I'm like, what? So I looked it up. I'm like, okay, I feel a little better. Well, I've been dealing with it my whole life. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you Not have. Not like I haven't That's heard. A running joke that never ends till death. 100%. It will be forever, and I'm okay with it. You, yeah. know, you either embrace it. Or you fight it, yeah. boy. That's a long fight to fight your last name. You know, yeah. Uh, it, it's been mispronounced enough times where I don't know if I haven't heard any weird, <laughs> weird combination of it. Plus, my first name being Scott, 
uh, you know, you get the right. fee at the end of it. So there's going to be, right. then automatically right. you're like, Flip shit, around. Oh, this <laughs> you know, yeah. I've literally been, I've been asking an interview, uh, your last name. What about it? That's uh, junior high. I said, yeah. I said, I've never had a problem. Wow. I've been asked that question. Really? Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. I would have never thought to ask you that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's That's one of those funny. things. It is the chick show. And, uh, it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad to have you. There's there's a ton of stuff on my notes here we still haven't touched on, but that's okay. We're uh, that gives us a reason to someday. Come yep, out. someday down the road. But, um, I, I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much. And um, you know, now the groundskeeper, you still like I I go out on the trail and I see you out there still working. Nobody I, bugs me. Yeah, I just do my own thing. They don't even tell me what to do. I'm occasionally say, "Hey, you need to weed down a bis if you can." Okay, well, yeah. sure. I can. I'm free to do what I want. It's enjoyable. I like being outside. Pop the head. Somebody probably would think I'm nuts. I put headphones on. Sometimes I just wear headphones. I'm in yeah. my own little world, which sometimes isn't good. You start thinking of stuff like, "Why am I thinking about this?" Uh-huh. Um, but I really enjoy it. It's yeah. kind of nice. I get home. I get, I get in about five. I'm gonna have to back it up as the sun comes up later, but. Sure. I'm home by one or two, and it doesn't seem like work at all. Good, and it's good for Scott because I said it would have been great. I love doing it as an AD because it got me a chance to get out of the building, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but for him not have to worry about that is my was my primary thought. You focus on the stuff you need yeah. to focus on, not getting the field ready for a rain out or whatever. Right. Let me deal with that because I've done it for so long, and he can go ahead. So it's been a great experience good. for me. So I've enjoyed it. So. Uh, what a benefit to have you around to, uh, I appreciate you know, to, it. to help out and be part of the community. I was excited when you came back to the community years that was ago. That part of it. I want to give back to my community. Uh, people knock. I've heard people knock and stuff. And uh, when I was in Wabash, things were rough. It's like, oh, I said, you know what? A lot of great people came out of Blackford County. Oh, I man. mean, you think about it, in education alone. <laughs> I have the it's insane. I have the ISBA, the Indiana School Board Association directory in front of me, and I can look through this and see so many names boom, boom, that boom, are, boom. Uh, have been connected or are originating from Blackford County. It's it's the number of conversations I've had with people that that are not from Blackford County. That go, man, it seems like there's a lot of people from Blackford County in teaching and administration. Yeah. yeah. They're somebody's doing something right. Yeah. It wouldn't be that way. Got the astronauts for heck. And right. It's unbelievable what we've it, done. It is. Yeah. I mean, all, across the board. So, well, thank you for all you've done and, and continue to do. We appreciate you. And, folks, you know how to get a hold of me. It's uh, the real Mr. Schick at Instagram and uh, whatever the other Twitter. I'm terrible at the whole social media thing. Yeah, I thought about maybe I'll I could get a you. if I get a kid intern to run my social media. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be awesome. They'd be like, great at it. I would absolutely love to have a kid to just hey, I'll, I would love to to handle your your uh, social media. Now I'm gonna get 50 messages from. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'd like to eventually record it, uh, like video it, uh-huh. and then you know build a YouTube channel. I was looking at that. I've had quite a number of people send me information about it. But, it's just a lot of work. I yeah. mean, it's just me. And it's not like I have sponsors. I'm not doing the whole sponsorship thing. And this is, you know, I'm just having fun. Some of those are pretty good, but I'd be afraid I'd do something embarrassing, not knowing it. Right. And the camera's on. It's like, oh, oh God, I just picked my nose. <laughs> yeah, Can exactly. we edit that? <laughs> no, it was a great <laughs> yeah, comedy you just it was made. live. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. I appreciate, appreciate you being it. in here. Been and uh, everybody, you can just shoot me a message. Let me know what you're thinking. And, you know, give me some feedback. This is a long one, folks. This is getting into that Joe Rogan territory. Man, 
I definitely had a Joe Rogan quality guest with me today. He, I'm glad he was in here classing it up and, and uh, you know, giving me giving me the time. So, hey, thanks. It that's it. We're out of here. See ya.